welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on January the 14th, 2020. I'm your host, Gaming Psychologist, and with me, as always, purposely without a name... Caffeine Rage, I think, because yeah. you started cutting out again. Oh, good. Here we go again. On today's episode, <laughs> we are going to be discussing the VGLP Awards for 2019, and that's going to be the whole show. In case you've never been with us before, we have a huge list mm-hmm. of categories. Or at least what we can hear of one another. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes, indeed. We have a huge list of categories, some silly, some serious, and we'll be giving out awards for the year. Uh, we are still having our weird recording issue, which we can't figure out and have spent nearly an hour trying to do so before this. And we we just said, fuck it. So, uh, yes, uh, to whatever you just said. Yes, so fuck it. Hello, Rage. <laughs> Hello. Uh, at least I heard that one. Uh, you Indeed. had a, a moment there where you were dropping big time. And we we only have these issues when recording. Like, we chatted for like two and a half hours Sunday. No problem. Yeah, I for one uh, blame our Lord and Savior. Uh, we need to go agnostic or you know, or atheist. Indeed. Indeed. So the way that this works is, like I said in the little weird intro thing, is that uh, we have all these categories. We sort of have them divided into blocks just to give us easy breaks and edit points. Um, I believe it it's split completely evenly. We have six awards per block, and the, that will be where the timestamps will be. So the timestamp will be at the start of the next block in the show notes. Um, we're each going to go through our uh, nominees, our award winners from us. The only one that we truly have to discuss and I believe agree on is the VGL Podcast Game of the Year Award, which is last. Yeah, which hopefully we'll be able to actually discuss because, yeah, right? Yeah, we'll figure it out. This is the the spirit of Do It Live. Although, dear listener, as you hear this, it is obviously recorded. Mm-hmm. What a world we yeah, live in. For, yeah, which I forgot to actually paste in one of my award winners. That, uh, which, the, it was, uh, I gotta admit, it was a category that I was kind of reaching on because there wasn't really anything that I had for it. So, uh, And it's right. something I only played a little bit with Anita at one point uh, this year, but what the hell, Right. Right. It kind of weirded her out. (laughs) Weirding out her significant uh, others is the most important thing in life. mm -hmm. So do you want to, you started talking, do you want to kick us off with our first uh, award Sure. So most memorable gaming moment of 2019. And we both kind of are sharing the same vein on this one. But me, it's uh, more specifically Halo. Uh, playing that together and actually starting to get into it just a little bit, even though, yeah, we kind of fallen off that, uh, uh, yeah, since we last played it, but, uh, you know, actually having a Halo game that was fun and coherent on the story from the beginning, mm-hmm. and also hearing you start to nerd out just a bit, about just you, a bit, I mean a fucking lot. You like that? You like when I nerd out just a little bit? A little bit, sometimes. Nice. Well, we do. We do need to finish it. We need to go back and finish it. I don't know if there's yeah. been any patches for the issues with like the audio bugs and to try and reduce some of the 
the lag for the non-host co-op partner. Yeah, because there were some times that it was bad. <laughs> yeah. Which is unrelated to our recording issue, by the way. We think. No. Yeah, we're. I, th- I think that's just baked into the, I guess, the netcode for mm-hmm. for Halo Reach. Or I'm, I'm not sure if it's specific to the PC port. I don't know. I don't ever remember there being lag when I played with my friends online many years ago. But could be nostalgia. Or it could just, or it could just be my shitty computer because you know the computer's getting old. But I, I think it's, I think Halo reaches a actually a really good entry point into the Halo franchise, partly just because it's a prequel, but also that they front load the story and actually make it interesting because. Gotta admit, going back to the first Halo and trying to play it, not having the nostalgia for it, it kind of sucks trying to get into it. You have no idea of the story, no idea of any of the novels or anything. It's just your landing McBlain face uh, in uh, a motorcycle <laughs> helmet uh, with a talking, uh, well, with a, a shitty version of the Echo Dot. Space Marine and a green helmet. Mm-hmm. Or a green motorcycle helmet. Yep. Yeah, I mean, Reach is literally the like in, in as far as the games go, it's the beginning, like the first thing. And like Reach is mentioned in Halo One, although I don't know if it was in the original or if it was in one of the updates to it. Reach gets mentioned, and it was before the Reach game came out. And then you know they built that into one of the books for the story or for the the novelizations of it, and that's where that you know that comes from in the books. So Halo Reach, the game, is the beginning of the Halo story. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it is, I, in my opinion, it's one of the best stories that they have done. Um, you know, Halo 2 and Halo 3's story is better than Halo 1. They learned a lot, changed games a lot. Halo 4 and 5 both have better stories. But Reach, I think, is probably the best one in terms of story. Like, the, the way they tell the story. You know, if you're just jumping into the game franchise and you have no external knowledge. But yes, both of us uh, did have something in the same vein because mine was playing We Were Here 1 and 2. We played 1 much closer to the beginning of the year, February or March. And then we played 2, what was it, November? Yeah. Thereabouts, yeah, November. So, I mean, it's just hanging out with you, doing fun stuff, solving cool, fun puzzles together. Getting killed a lot and left in the creepy murder mansion twice. You know, that's that's my experience. Well, to be fair, on the second one, you just said go on. Yeah. Yeah, I, I purposefully sacrificed myself for you. And in the first one, it's like, oh, I got left behind. Cool. But in the second one, I, I sacrificed myself for you because I love you. Ew. But I mean, it's it's just a lot of fun. To, to do that, to solve puzzles and hang out and have fun. I mean, we enjoyed playing games yeah, and, together. But... And they both were very well designed for the most part. I, we were here uh, too, uh, had uh, one puzzle that I think it was just the fact that if uh, we didn't spend enough time trying to solve it because it was one of those that was under time pressure that we had to consult the Oracle to figure out. Yeah. I think if we, uh, yeah, if we could solve, if we communicate a little bit cl- more clearly, it would have been all right. But uh, the maze or the labyrinth was, uh, I think, my favorite one out of that. 
or once we got it down. Yeah, because it's it's one of those where it, like it just clicked and it's like, OK, we've got it. We've got the directions. Now we just have to execute. And so it felt really smooth. Yeah. And once we got it, yeah, we got it within what, two tries, two, three tries. Yeah, I think so. One, I think it was two tries once we got the directions down. Yeah, and even then it didn't take us long. No. So. I'm trying to think of like a, the same sort of moment from the first one. I don't, I don't remember uh, quite. Uh, the, uh, the labyrinth the, there as well. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the basement maze. It has like the creepy zombie thing crawling around that scared the shit out of me. Yeah, and for me, it was, uh, I'm looking at a map, and I'm telling you, okay, hang a left here, and uh, you know, go up the stairs, and uh, and it was another one of those that it took a turn or two to really get a feel for it, but it was a lot more coherent, because uh, it, it had a lot more defined direction. Yeah. Because uh, the maze in the second one, uh, it they both had uh, they're they're a similar concept, but the maze in the second one is circular, which sounds odd uh, to say that that makes such a difference. But because you're constantly you know turning slightly, I think it uh, makes the concept of okay, come up uh, on uh, coming up, you're going to hang a left, and you're constantly hanging a left, you know? Yeah, it's just that psychological trick. And also the fact that the maze changes and you have to kind of sit there while I puzzle it out for a moment. And if you're playing with somebody that's impatient, uh, that's going to be, yeah, that's going to be the stopping point. Even though I don't think that you would really get far with somebody that's impatient, that's definitely going to be the speed bump that, you know, that's going to turn into a wall. Yeah. Or if you have difficulty communicating. Yeah. Like if you, if you don't figure out or don't already have a good communication system down. But we are good communicators. At least with one another for the most uh, part. Yeah. Yeah, at least when Craig's not listening. It's very true. So, our second award, the biggest surprise of the year to anything gaming related. Yeah, and, and this, this is uh, what we one agreed we agreed on. on. Yeah. Because uh Maybe it's just me being a pessimist, but a, a lot of uh, the big reveals and big uh, shit going down uh, kind of uh, either called or not wasn't big, that big a surprise. What about for you? Yeah, same. Or I just didn't really care all that much. Yeah. Um, Ooh, uh, uh, Fortnite uh, has a thing. Woo. Yeah. Uh, Fortnite yeah. is turning into a black hole. Woo. Which this ties into a later one. Indeed. Uh, Fortnite and Disney are really tight because they had Star Wars and Marvel stuff. Yeah. But I still yeah, haven't what... watched the exclusive like Star Wars whatever that was in Fortnite. Like I could just go to YouTube at this point. Someone has, has put it up there. But I just oh, haven't. Of course. Air. Yeah, yeah, but it's also the fact that until they have the Blu-ray edition, which maybe they'll have it on. Who knows how the contract uh, works out? Mm-hmm. You have to watch gameplay of a movie trail of a of a movie clip, right? Mm-hmm. But we're uh, completely off topic, and we're going to a different award. 
So the biggest Indeed. surprise for both of us was Xbox PC Game Pass, which was announced at the last E3 and was one of those... Oh, and by the way, it's live. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, oh, well, it's only a dollar for the first month. I'll check it out. You know, it can't yeah. be like too bad for a dollar at least. And it has had quite a few good games. We've had several game club games coming off of it. We've got another As a matter one. Of fact, we have a, our current game club game is on it. Yeah. Uh, it's been it's a- uh, really a great way to play more recent titles and uh, have uh, a good selection of uh, games that you may want to try but not really want to dive into and you know, go for full price. Uh, things like, uh, well, one I haven't talked about yet, but uh, Totally Accurate Battle Simulator. Interesting mm-hmm. looking game, but I don't want to put down 15, 20 bucks for it because I'm not a Twitch streamer. Yeah. But, and I, uh, uh, but it's on Game Pass, so I could just load it up and try it out. Yeah. And I mean, my time at Porsche was kind of picked because of that. Like, it looked interesting. It was on Game Pass. I've done that. Oh, with... for me, it was uh, it was on my to buy list whenever it was on uh, a fairly deep discount. Gotcha. Uh, already. It's that was just, what prompted me to, to come play... up on Game Pass. Yeah. And I mean, because of Game Pass, I played State of Decay 2, which I enjoyed, but I certainly would not have paid like 25 or 30 dollars for that game um i've got a couple others i've been meaning to play that are on there like into the breach um Moonlighter. yeah like i just put Frostpunk on which has been on my kind of uh, uh pickup list whenever it goes on deep discount because it's one of those games that looks like one genre but is a completely different genre so i wanted to try it anyway even though i'm not too certain about it yeah and um, while they still are favoring the console version of Game Pass, they are you know, putting some solid stuff up. And the fact that they've talked about the entire Final Fantasy franchise is going to go in Game Pass. I mean, 2020 looks fucking amazing for it. Yeah, and plus even though it's, it's still, even though it's still in beta and it's still five bucks a month, I mean, it's well worth it. Yeah, plus it's allowed you to get around you being just the royal you to get around uh, some of the stupid bullshit epic uh, exclusives because Microsoft with the Xbox, they've just put some of the shit on game pass like Metro read or last light, but whatever the newest Metro game was. And then uh, Exodus uh, Metro outer Exodus worlds. and then outer worlds. There might be some other titles that I'm not aware of just because I don't give a shit, but you know, you've been able to get around some of those restrictions on at least a, a few titles. And that's two thumbs up, Microsoft. Because, I mean, Microsoft can't do that. They're big enough and have enough fuck you money to just be like, nah, fuck you, Epic. We'll do this. Take us to court. I dare you. So. Yeah, which, from the sounds of it, it sounds like the Epic, uh, Epic exclusivity deal is more of an anti-Steam than an exclusivity deal for them. Yeah. Which, uh, fuck Epic, by the way. But we'll get to that. So, moving on to the third award in the first block. The It's Still an Early Access Award. Um, We both agreed on Game Pass, so who do you want to go to first on this one? Oh, you could go. Okay. Um, I went through and looked at several early access games that I played this year, or this past year, and I chose Factorio. 
Uh, Factorio has been in early access for, I believe, six years. It might be five years. And while I have technically played that game to completion several times, because you can, there's like a, a win condition, you can keep playing afterwards, but there is a win condition. Um, every few versions, I will uh, go back and play it again. I've talked at length about Factorio on uh, the regular show, um, and I enjoy it quite a lot. It's very deep. I uh, got a lot of um, freedom in the gameplay, very complex and interesting mechanics, uh, many different ways you can play the game. But it is still in early access. And it's it's an early access game that is in active development still. There are new and updated features all the time. Every Friday, I believe, for the entire time, they have their like Friday facts or Friday report or something like that. I don't remember what it's called. But um, where they talk about what's been going on and show... Uh, sometimes like documentation or screenshots or something with changes that have been made. So, um, but yeah, Factorio is still in early access, despite the fact that it is very definitely, at least feels like a fully released game. Um, So it has been on, just looking, it's been on Steam since uh, February 25th, 2016. So nearly four years on Steam, but you could get it, I think directly through the developer, before like for a year before that um it might have been on kickstarter there was somewhere you could get it for about a year before it was on steam so i believe it's been in development for probably their uh, own site yeah so i don't think factorio has ever been on sale i don't think Uh, so either i think the thing is is they're like well it's not out yet so we're not gonna put it on sale but i mean i've played it for something like 400 hours so I mean I you know I spent twenty bucks on it. That's definitely an, an excellent return on investment. What about you? I think you just said what about me? Uh, I heard. Whoop. I did. Okay, just making sure. Yep. Uh, so I decided to take this in a bit of a different direction and uh, more pick on a game that's kind of just sitting there and. 2019, I started to play a little bit more mobile titles, and Google has been pushing Goddess on me quite a bit. And that's one of those games that I forgot existed. I don't have it on Steam. I can't admit that much. But it came out September 13th, 2013. So we're coming up on seven years. It's still being sold on Steam. It was part of the first year of early access. And it's just been sitting there. It hasn't been officially updated for several years. Uh, it got rolled into its spin-off game that is honestly just as terrible as Goddess uh, in 2016. And, well, it's a Peter Molehill game, so yeah. You know, you, you gotta you know expect to be disappointed. You know, like you know, having a game actually come out of early access for one. It seems like, uh, but yeah, it's just Goddess is an absolute train wreck uh, on multiple levels, and from what I understand, the mobile version is hardly any better. I mean, hell, the PC version played like a damn mobile game from the beginning, so. The fact that it's still being sold, it's still marked as an early access title. Yeah, I think it still counts, don't you? I think it does. And let's just put it this way. Recent reviews 
very negative. All reviews mostly negative, <laughs> with five thousand five hundred sixty-seven uh, reviews. Uh, multiple uh, groups I follow that have uh, like consumer advocacy and uh, in, uh, information all recommend against it and uh, put up giant red flags. Uh, talking about how it's nothing like it was promised. It uh, is completely unfinished. It hasn't been touched. Uh, Does it actually say here? Uh, View on Steam database. Uh, it hasn't been updated in quite some time. Like I said, about two years. Yeah, I'd say it counts. Especially since Google seems uh, seems to really want to push the mobile version. More extreme. So, yeah, it's still, yeah, yeah. There's still some sort of marketing going on because those are sponsored ads, right? And that's probably the only person uh, working at uh, Twenty Two Cans these days is the you know, the marketing uh, guru, right? Because uh, either that or the one that's you know keeping uh, Peter Molyneux locked in his uh, you know crazy cell. <laughs> nah, I think they. Uh... That guy left and threw away the key. <laughs> All right. Well, somebody got has to give him you know stale crust of bread. Ah, uh, yes, croutons. No, no, no. He doesn't even get the full crouton. He just gets the crust. He's he's not. Peter Molyneux sucks so much that he isn't even allowed a full crouton. He's just allowed that gummy, uh, disgusting crust that's left whenever you make croutons. Well, that is very gross. And that's what it feels like whenever I think of Goddess. Or honestly, really any uh, uh, game that Peter Molyneux pushes these days. Good so to know. So shall we continue on? Let's continue to on. the it's... Boulder Dash Award. And I'll go this time, uh, since yeah, we're talking about things I'm uh, uh, tired of hearing about. Uh, how about Fortnite news? Now... You may not uh, uh, get this as much because I'm the one that usually is doing the more deep dive on news every week. But it is fucking annoying and fucking tiresome to sort through all the bullshit when it comes to Fortnite. And I'm talking every single week. There's multiple sites that I go to that talk about all the challenges, all the changes. Everything. And yes, I realize Fortnite is a very, very, very stupidly big game. But damn, does it get tiresome. And also, you should get off my fucking lawn. (laughs) We historically don't understand or really care for Fortnite. Or any Battle Royale, for that matter. But Fortnite, it just kind of, I guess, bears the brunt of that because of how large it is. So, yeah, yeah, no, I can understand that. I mean, I heard for a while I was hearing Fortnite news. It felt like every week on but because I listened to like three different gaming or gaming adjacent podcasts. And so one of them was always talking Fortnite. And uh, I dropped a couple of those podcasts, actually. Well, one of them basically died. Co-optional hasn't had a new episode in. I think uh, since October what, of last year. Well, from well, from what I understand, at least on co-optional. Is that uh, Jenna moved to Korea? Yep. Dodger moved to the UK. I think it is. Didn't know that. Uh, Don't keep up with her individually. Uh, she, 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 
yeah, she moved to the UK or Europe or somewhere. So, so that caused a, a you know time zone issues. Uh, plus, Jenna got cancer again. Didn't so, know you know, that. Health. Well, I follow her Twitter, so you know I saw about that. Uh, she's just been uh, deemed that she's back in remission again. I mean, she's had no luck. Yeah. Well, co-optional though. Like, uh, I'm still subscribed or following whatever the co-optional podcast. Like, if there's ever an update, I'll get it on my podcast feed. But um, you know, they haven't had a new episode in a long time. Yeah, which is a shame because they they were the best gaming podcast I ever found, and that's uh, even with the you know the kind of the direction change they did after Total Biscuit passed away. Yeah, because they did have to... a yeah they did have a quite a, uh, quite a bit of a kind of a shift, uh, moving more and more to a more game discussion instead of gaming news. Yeah. But basically, I'm down to only one gaming podcast, and they don't really cover Fortnite all that much because nobody on that show really plays it. So well, I've, uh, I don't hear about it very much. I don't know if my podcast in general. I need to actually catch back up. Or I should say, purge my, do- uh, my uh, podcast uh, folder and just download some of the latest stuff on uh, a few I really care about. Right. Um, my Balderdash Award goes to PC exclusives. Because fuck that. I play on PC. I mean, technically, yeah, you can sail the high seas and you should be able to get any game that you want. But that takes a little bit of work and effort and you always open yourself up to greater risk. I won't say that there's no risk in just buying games because, you know, Steam and has issues with how they manage their store and sometimes shit gets through and other storefronts have got other issues. But it's less risk and it's easier to deal with. So, you know, yes, I could just pirate things that are exclusive to other platforms or services or whatever. But it just takes work and I don't want to do that. I just want to give you some money and get a game. But there's so many, so many different platforms and so many that have issues, particularly uh, Epic and EA or Origin, or whatever the PC service is. Well, to be fair, you know, having a, things like a shopping cart and, you know, game reviews, that, that's far too high-tech for Epic. But it just it just gets old. <laughs> the only one that I ever really understood was, and they didn't do this, but the only one that I ever really would understand doing it would be GOG, because they have their first-party published titles, primarily The Witcher, but I think they do a couple other things as well. But, like, I would understand that. But you can get The Witcher everywhere so they don't even have that same issue so fuck them fuck those uh pc exclusives epic is definitely the worst with that i don't i still use epic you know we've had a larger discussion about that on the show a couple of times and i still use epic but i don't buy anything from epic because of the scummy way that they do epic exclusives yeah i refuse to even uh, create an account there because I don't want to be counted as a number. Fair enough. Um, so moving on to our next category award thingy, the best free-to-play game of 2019. Yeah, I think both we're both played. reaching on this one, huh? Yeah, I honestly couldn't think of one until you were like, well, what about a mobile game? And I was like, oh, yeah. 
Um, well, I had I, to really even reach on mobile games because uh, a lot of the mobile games I've played have either been games I've absolutely hated or uh, they were part of a giveaway. Yeah. Or, or on deep discount, and I picked them up for like a dollar. Yeah. Mine was once you said mobile game, like immediately, I was like, oh, yeah, there's that airline manager game that I've been playing for like three or four months all the time. I've I've got it open on my phone right now, actually, while we're talking and doing this. Uh, they just changed their name. It was Airline Manager 2019, but they removed the 2019. So now it's just Airlines Manager, um, which smart move since it's not 2019 anymore. Um, yeah, it's the current year. But this is just a very solid airline manager game that doesn't have a ton of mobile bullshit in it. Um, you know, you can watch ads to get some like bonuses in game, um, but they don't have any loot boxes. Um, they have like a, a a premium currency or whatever where you can get like convert that to extra money or buy like planes and things like that. But a hundred percent, you can play this without spending any money. No. And it's like a single player experience. So there's no competitive aspect to it. I mean, there is a leaderboard where you can see like how your company ranks against others, but that has absolutely zero bearing on the game other than just for your own, I guess, personal satisfaction, but it's very in depth. There are tons amounts of layers to it, all kinds of like graphs and charts and categories you can go through and you can decide through your sort of management styles and different like ways that you research and sort of develop your airline towards like, do you want to focus on luxury uh, passenger travel or cargo or uh, economy travel? And you take bonuses and focus on, you know, different route lengths and things that sort of match that style better. It's very, 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 very good. I will spend every day 15 or 20 minutes checking on things optimizing routes looking for any other changes in the game doing research it's a great game love it yeah i tried to play it uh, that it's an airline manager tycoon right or it uh, was it, it's just airlines manager it was airlines manager 2019 well i tried downloading it and it crashed on my phone <laughs> Which is sad. Yeah, I mean, that's a weird one, huh? Yeah. And they told me, well, you can always play the web version. No, no, I can't. The web version sucks. I've, I tried. It really sucks. It's much better on mobile. Yeah, and like I said, I had to reach a little bit on this one because uh, a lot of the games I play either are premium that went uh, on deep discount or free uh something i got on a giveaway or uh games i absolutely hated <laughs> in the long run which that's going to come into play in the next category uh but i sat and thought about it for a while and then i remembered uh early in the year i played spell sword cards origins and I still have it installed on my phone. I just haven't played for or played it a while uh, in a while. And I have paid for the expansion on it, which was mm-hmm. like a dollar or something. And it is a roguelite card, or sorry, a roguelike deck builder, where uh, there's still no real story to it, as far as I could tell. And you're just going through 
on an adventure with various uh, combinations of uh, classes, uh, 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 races, and a an underlying magical type. So there's five or six different classes uh, with the, which a couple are tied to the expansion, the paid expansion. Uh, there's five or six different races and def- and uh, the same with magical types. So fire magic, earth magic, water magic, uh, holy, unholy, that sort of thing. And you could really just mix and match. And some of them are less effective than others because if you have it, uh, you know, like a half orc that's a wizard, you're going to have a bad time because whenever you're level up, you actually lose your overall mana. And it's a, actually a very deep strategic game for just being a mobile game, which sounds like a backhanded compliment, but there's a lot of consideration on just your overall build, your overall strategy, uh, building up your deck properly because it's not always best to pick up a card whenever you're building it, uh, whenever you're in a deck builder because you're wanting to be able to cycle through your deck quicker, even though this one's a little bit different in that you don't discard your hand whenever you uh, start your next turn. So if you have a class that has a bigger deck, but you have a lot of draw, you can actually perform a lot more actions because if you discard cards, and this is something I missed originally, uh, you gain more actions that you can perform, which... uh, uh, leads into some more interesting combos. Uh, you could uh, level up your cards and work on combining different cards to say have your uh, a couple of your armor and uh, uh, weapon cards uh, to be essentially comboed together that uh, works into your more overarching strategy. It's actually a really solid game, and as far as I recall, even the non-paid version had no ads on it. It was essentially like a very deep demo for the uh, paid version, mm-hmm. which is probably bending the rules a little bit on this category, but honestly, I'll allow it anyway because it still had a hell of a lot of gameplay, even for what you could technically consider a demo, even though, yep. It really wasn't. It was still the full game. It's just it locked out a few of the more advanced classes. And whenever I originally paid for it, it was uh, teasing the next class. It wasn't even completely done yet, which I think it was the uh, Berserker, which I haven't even really dived into. But yeah, it's uh, well worth a check out, especially if you like deck builders. Uh, minimalistic art style and a lot of deep strategy but there are also some very overpowered uh, uh, combinations but the interesting thing is if you start winning a lot with a particular combination it starts getting tougher because it starts adding a multiplier a difficulty multiplier to both to the class the race and the way of magic so Yes, there are overpowered combinations, but if you keep using them, you're going to end up uh, making the game a lot tougher on yourself. So it really uh, forces you to swap out and uh, try out different things, even if it's just you know, changing uh, your magical path or changing your class, which could have a dramatic impact on your overall play style. 
but well worth it. Nice. So, speaking of games that pissed me off, let's talk a bit about my mobile playing this uh, this year and the uh, no school like the old school award. So, I'm taking a bit of a different turn on this one this year. Okay. In that it's kind of calling out the ruining of games. Specifically, fuck you, Nintendo. I've tried pretty much all of the Nintendo mobile games this year, minus Animal Crossing. And personally, they all suck. And there's really no school like the old school when it comes to Nintendo, especially when you're starting to look at their mobile offerings, because they are all just blatant cash grabs. And that's assuming, of course, that they're even doing justice to their original source material. See uh, the Mario Kart game, for example, right? Yep. So, uh, for no school like the old school, it's Nintendo, but uh, as a kind of a slap in the face and like, what the hell are you doing? Because they've... They're, like, drinking all the Kool-Aid and doing all the bad monetization. They're doing everything that I absolutely abhor when it comes to mobile gaming. And honestly, I can't think of one good uh, Nintendo uh, uh, mobile game outside of maybe Pokemon Go. But even that is uh, with an asterisk because it's absolutely abysmal where I live because I live out in the middle of nowhere. So, yeah, no school like the old school, Nintendo mobile games. Because you don't want the new school. You definitely don't want it. Interesting. I, I see, and I like how you cheated in this category. Uh, mine was a little bit more, <laughs> I guess. I, I, didn't, I didn't really play any uh, retro games this year, or uh, what I would consider retro enough for this. Yeah. So Mine was, uh, I guess, a little more in line with the... I don't know, spirit of the ward or whatever, um, which I picked Fallout New Vegas. We played that as part of Gang Club this year. And Fallout New Vegas is is coming up on, on 10 years old, which I know is not like ancient, but comes from a completely different era of game design, game development, uh, thoughts and feelings on games. You know, the whole it's it's just completely different than most things that you find released today it's an excellent game which i enjoy very much and playing it made me want to play both some older you know go back and play some other older games i hadn't played in a while made me want to um change a few things that i did with games that i did play like the way that i approach them and i've wanted to come back to it um after finding a new youtube channel recently to watch where the guy talks about one of his favorite big games being Fallout New Vegas, doing different like weird little challenges and stuff. And it makes me be like, oh, yeah, that would be interesting to go through and try and do something a little like that. Maybe not like as extreme, but to do like this type of playthrough or, you know, this oh, type the, of thing. Uh, no healing uh, challenge from uh, what was it? Nerd Cubed? Uh, no, not that. I mean, it's so he does like um, he did one where that he used only revolvers. Um, he did one where that he played it and he called it the Benjamin Button Challenge. And every so often he would shrink his player character size in using console commands. Mm-hmm. 
Um, he did stuff like playing only with companions. So like he wouldn't do any of the fighting. His companions had to do all of the combat and see how that could potentially cause issues for the game. Because, for example, like sometimes you're supposed to attack stuff, but companions won't attack things. They'll only react. So it's like, well, how do I get someone to aggro against me when I can't attack them? So, you know, just some neat stuff like that. He does just like, lots of little weird kind of off-the-wall challenges. But anyways, I mean, I, I really like Fallout New Vegas. It's probably my favorite of the Fallout games as well. I do like Fallout 4 quite a bit, just for, um, you know, more modern in in ways. But um, Fallout New Vegas overall is, I think, the best and one of my favorites. And with it being old enough, I think, to qualify, then I picked it for this category. Yeah, I guess I just didn't really consider uh, Fallout New Vegas because, you know, uh, it's one I spent a lot of time with already, so... Hmm. Yeah. Uh, before uh, the game club. Yeah, I hadn't played it in forever since before we did game club. So, but this is excellent timing. It brings us to the close of our first block of awards and Katie just got home and she wants to talk to me. So it's All a right. nice, easy stopping spot for a few minutes. I will put an editing note in the show notes. All right, and we're back for the second block, which for you guys, listeners, that will be a very quick uh, transition with a little maybe like hold music or something in there, but that was, we needed to take a slightly longer than intended break on our end, but we are back. And the first game in the, not first game, the first awards category thing in the second block is the Off the Wall Game Award, which is the strangest game you have played in the last year. Uh, who Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Uh, I can. Uh, so this one, uh, once again, was one of those that was a little bit hard for me to pick out just because I didn't play anything that felt terribly strange. So I went with the, um, the most unique game I played, which was Night Call. A noir or noir uh, detective game where it has a very uh, feels a, a lot like they learned a bit from Papers Please, where it's more mechanically driven, where you're driving a taxi uh, in Paris. I can't remember the year, but uh, I'm willing to say uh, late '80s. And there's, at least uh, in the story that I played, there was multiple versions or multiple uh, chapters that you could play. Uh, a, a serial killer is running loose in the city, and you're basically being strong-armed into uh, helping with the police investigation. Or the, or you're basically going to be thrown under the bus because you're an illegal in the city. And there's a large anti-Muslim uprising. Oh, by the way, you're also Muslim Middle Eastern uh, descent, and uh, it's dealing with some of the prejudices uh, of uh, being of your faith and of your racial uh, distinction. I don't think they actually ever say what country he's from. Uh, I, I think it's just a made-up country, if they do. Uh, but it's a very odd game because it has that kind of papers-please feel to it, but it's not quite the same where 
it's done via the game mechanics, via uh, uh, the increasing complexity of uh, gameplay as you continue on, like Papers, Please. Uh, it's a, a lot of text, a lot of learning about individual characters as you slowly try to unravel this mystery. And I, honestly, I kind of fell off of it because it feels like at times it kind of just meanders a little bit too much. And also, it asks you to both keep up with your cab company or your cab contract, I should say, uh, while trying to investigate. And it didn't feel like it was a very good mixture because you're having to deal with some odd uh, uh, people uh, jumping in and uh, talking about their stories while also trying to keep track of everything else. But it also felt like everything else was kind of on autopilot as well, where uh, you go back and you have the, you know, the classic, you know, uh, diagram of all the clues uh, tied together with different bits of string to try to figure it out. You know, the, the classic from, like, noir movies, right? But that's all done automatically. It's just you're deciding what to decode based on the amount of time you have left before you have to crash to sleep to get up for the next day to go back to work. Which, honestly, I didn't really like because it felt, like I said, too autopiloty. While at the same time, not really focusing enough on it to, for me to really be able to keep track of it outside of just you know, letting that play out how it is. Because, uh, you know, you're going... 45 minutes before you really start to hit more story. In the meantime, you have, uh, you know, drunk Santa climbing in the back of your cab, <laughs> uh, telling you to uh, just drive around and he'll find his reindeer. And I shit you not, that is actually one of the uh, characters that shows up. Uh, there's a record executive that uh, her girlfriend had just left to go to the U.S. and you're talking about uh, you know, should you uh, go after her or, uh, you know, just, yeah, well, she was just on vacation. You're just a fling. And all the different uh, stories have different outcomes, but it, they're, they don't really matter at the long run of things outside of just achievement checkboxes, at least from what it seemed like. I never had the same person show up multiple times. So, uh, it's a very unique game, which also makes it a very strange game in my playlist. Fair enough. Uh, so, my I had several games that were, like, a little weird or a little niche games that I played this year that I liked for one reason or another. And several, two or three of them made it onto this at various places. Um, where I chose, or what I chose for this, was a game called Your Future Self. I believe if I played this back towards the summertime. Um, and again, this game is so story-heavy. I can't quite talk too much about it without spoiling the story. But it stuck out as one of the most memorable, interesting, strange games that I played this year with the material that it tackled. It has to do with time travel but looking at time travel in a way that um, using get video game mechanics to tackle that in a way that I haven't ever seen before. 
And I won't, you know, again, I won't really say any more than that about it. But if you haven't played this game, I 100% recommend you buy this game or find access to it in some way. Um, it's not super expensive. And I believe it it did go on sale during the last two Steam sales. So I, I think it's well worth it. And it it is definitely very, very interesting, very strange. But, you know, unique, niche, like many, it could be, many of those words could be used to describe it. So it's an excellent game, an excellent experience. Um, and I don't know if the developer is still listening to our podcast, but if you are developer, yeah, good Hello, job. developer. You won a VGL podcast award. One of the least coveted awards in gaming. But it's yours. I should send him a message on Twitter and or a DM on Twitter and or something. Be like, hey, still love ask, your game. Uh, ask for his fax number. That's how we can fax him. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Use my shitty fax machine at work. <laughs> I have but, a feeling that would be more uh, cumbersome than getting Craig to be, uh, behave himself tonight. Probably. Probably. But uh, yeah. Okay. On to the next award, the Drop It Like a Hot Rock Award. So we've got several awards for bad games or bad things on here. In my mind, the spirit of the Drop It Like a Hot Rock Award is it's something that you played it and you're like, oh, this is not something I want in my life anymore at and all. And immediately doped. Yeah, and you immediately nope out of it. So the game that I picked for this was Exoplanet. Um, I thankfully did not pay any money for this game. I got it uh, as a review code from the developer uh, via key mailer. And I played this game for approximately 20 minutes uh, and then quit because it was buggy. It did not look good. It did not play well. Um, It did not explain anything. And I had to restart the game twice uh within damn what year is this from i don't know and this looks like uh this looks like everquest Uh, level graphics exoplanet first contact oh is there another exoplanet Exoplanet. sorry i just went for exoplanet which is a vr game i did not realize let me add the first contact to then to that then First contact. Store page. When did this game release? Okay. So yeah. this game released in no, 2016. Sorry, the, 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 the VR game. The VR game that I found, or at least partially VR. It was in 4x9. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or sorry, 4x5 uh, resolution. And it looked like a, you know, an EverQuest uh, you know, level graphics. Gotcha. I mean, EverQuest 1. Early expansions. So this game released in well released onto Steam in 2016. It's an early access title. Um, I think it like had a, a pretty big update around the time that I got the review key for it. Um, I like the idea of it because it's like space western RPG. Um, you know, supposed to like somewhere in there. It talks about Firefly as like an inspiration, and I'm like, cool. Sounds good, but it's hot garbage. Would not recommend. Would not encourage you to try this or buy it. 
maybe someday they'll fix it. Maybe, you know, maybe next year it'll get a reconsideration award. But for now, it got the Drop It Like a Hot Rock award. Well, we reconsidered the reconsideration award this year, remember? That is true. But the reconsideration award could be reconsidered again in the future. Yeah, then it'll be the re-reconsideration award. Indeed. So for me, I I spent a little bit more time with Mom, but it was a a definite nope out very quickly. And this was um, also shows the power of the Xbox PC Game Pass thingy. Pandemic the board game. It is utter trash. So, uh, what's the big thing about Pandemic, alright? It's that it's a social game, right? Yes. And that it's a, you know, a cooperative game. Well, the board game, uh, the PC uh, version of it, at least, which this is a port of the mobile version, which explains a lot of the UI issues that I had with it, is completely single-player, completely local. So, catch co-op only, which it says nowhere on the... Uh, at least it... Okay, now they fixed it, it looks like. But originally they said nowhere on it, uh, that it was catch co-op only. And... Because the UI is lifted from a mobile game, it's absolutely massive, which means that it's very hard to glean any info from the map to the point that I actually had trouble on the first time I played it because it was obscuring part of South America and I had a pandemic breakout down there. But it doesn't really go any over any of the rules. It doesn't really go over any of the strategy. It just you know, is... It's a uh, it's an electronic version of Pandemic in the loosest uh, sense of the terms, you know. Yes, technically it works. Technically you can play it. But, you know, I think slitting your wrist is a lot more fun. Fair enough. I mean, it, you know, at least the pain will go away uh, you know, after a short amount of time. You will die if you if you do that enough. So you yeah, will true. get the sweet release and embrace of death. True. And then I'd rather have that than have to play Pandemic again. I mean, let's put it this way. They would have to pay me a lot more than uh, what they want for it. And that's in this uh, PC Game Pass included all the DLC, which made it the better version. And that's 15 bucks. <laughs> so, yeah, stay stay far, far away from Pandemic. At least the uh, yeah the board game uh, the pandemic board game the board game on uh, Steam or PC Game Pass uh, playing on uh, tabletop simulator instead sounds like a plan um okay well since we're talking about games I didn't like uh, least favorite game played in 2019 so since I don't have a kid I'm not subjected to bad games like Jared. <laughs> Where he has to play them for hours and hours on end and hating life the entire time, right? Yes. So, uh, because I could see his pick on here. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure that's why he has it. So, for me, the only time I'm really subjected to a game that I dislike and have to continue playing is, well, what's a month for Game Club? 
and I think anybody that's uh, listened to the uh, to all the Game Club episodes knows where I'm going with this. There was one game that this year that I had to push myself to play quite a bit because it was not my jam. It, for me at least, controlled horribly. I was not interested in the theme. I was not interested really in the characters. It just was a giant nope, but I had to continue playing it at least as much as I could because Game Club. And that is, of course, Vampire the Masquerade. I'm probably going to get lynched for it. And you could also probably guess, you know, another award coming up. But it's just, it it ticked no boxes for me. It did absolutely nothing for me. And if it was uh, not a game club game, it would have probably been a contender for Drop It Like a Hawk Rock. But, yeah. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, I'm not going to uh, crucify you for your opinions. I don't know if the people who really like the game are going to crucify you for your opinions either. They might be sad, but I don't think you'd be crucified. Um, I quite enjoyed Vampire the Masquerade. I'm going to talk about it for just like two minutes because it didn't show up anywhere else on the list for me. But I did quite enjoy Vampire the the Masquerade Bloodlines. Um, I played it... uh, I I got farther than you did uh, because I pretty sure i played a lot more than you did during the the game club time and then also Mm -hmm. i continued playing it afterwards and i have subsequently beat it um i don't think i ever talked about that on the show a lot of stuff that goes on and sometimes things like that kind of fall back under the rug sometimes i'll choose to talk about a new game rather than revisit one i've already played um that probably happened because i beat it several months ago like went back and, and finished it i enjoyed the ending um, I enjoyed the gameplay experience. I want to go through at some point and play again as the, I believe it's Malkavians. They're the ones that are kind of the the crazies who have like spirit vision or whatever. Um, and just see how different the experience is. Cause they have apparently completely different uh, interactions with characters and things, but you know, I'm, I've got a lot of games to, to that I want to play this year as well. And since I've already beaten vampire, the masquerade, it's a little bit farther down on the list. But I, I enjoyed it, so. But, you know, you're allowed to have your opinions. Certainly not every game is for every person. That is what we say during the game club. So. Uh, for me, my least favorite game played in 2019, I actually thought about it. I had several games that I didn't, like, super enjoy. But what you said, I have a child. My child is obsessed with all things trains. And so every once in a while, I will buy a game or you know, get a game that I probably wouldn't play otherwise, but and it has trains in it, and I know my kid would like it. Um, and that was what Conduct Delect was. This is a train uh, puzzle game. Um, in essence, you basically are controlling uh, which directions the train takes on predefined track routes. You have to get a number of passengers from one station to another and avoid crashing into other trains or obstacles or Sometimes there's weird routes or like a, a freight train comes through that you can't control at all and and things like that. So, um, you know, as far as these types of puzzle games go, it's not like the worst, but it was pretty bad. And my kid just wanted to keep playing it and wanted to keep playing it and wanted to keep playing it. And I have better train themed puzzle games, which we have played. Um 
There's railed, which I talked about earlier this year is like a tile based. You build the tracks and try to connect everything together. Um, what is that other one that I played quite a bit train Valley uh, or train Valley two rather, which is a much superior train based puzzling game with a similar idea of getting either people or goods from one place to another um, to solve the puzzle or complete the level or whatever. It's just a game that's not super great. It's very boring. The soundtrack is repetitive. It suffers from free-to-play sort of mobile elements that exist within it. So you have to basically go back and three-star all of the stuff at some point so you can unlock the rest of the levels. And when we got to the point where that the, the way that I convinced him to stop playing is, so I was like, look, buddy, I'm not great at this game. And no offense, but you're worse at it than I am because you're younger and your coordination is not as good. We have to get three stars on all of these things in order to unlock the next set or the next area to do new ones. I'm just not going to do that. So we're we're done with this. <laughs> and he was like, okay, we'll go do something else. And it's like, was it really that easy now? Which it wasn't. I tried to convince him to stop playing before. But anyways, yeah, I just didn't like it. I, I, I mean, we played it for a few hours. I don't know how many I could look on Steam, but that requires effort. And I don't want to think about this game anymore ever again after I finish this sentence. I didn't like it. It's not great. Moving on. Moving on to things you did like. Yes. And so the next, to sound on. Indeed. So the next award category is the Time Sync Award, which is games you've played 50 hours or more within the past year. Yeah, uh, I we're going to have to pump that one down, I think, because I had trouble thinking of one this year. A big difference in the way that you and I play video games is I will play one game for 40, 50, 100 hours and then move on to another one. And you tend to play, I think, more games overall. And you and I tend to play generally a different type of game. Um, my game is Battletech. There were two I believe of the DLC expansions that came out this year. All it might have been all three. I think it was just two though. Um, both of which. Yeah, I'm, uh, out, yeah I'm waiting on those to go and sale now to dive back but, into BattleTech. Yeah, both of those though, when they came out, I loaded them up and played through an entire career playthrough, um, which is kind of a. It, it goes for twelve hundred days, which I think is like three or four years of in-game time. And basically you're given like a score at the end based on how well you did and how much money you made and missions completed and, and et cetera. Um, and I, I went beyond that, but I completed at least a career to get a good sampling of all the new mechanics and the new flashpoint missions and the new mechs and things like that. Um, I don't know how much I played Battletech this year. It was easily more than 50 hours. My total play time was up to 629 hours for Battletech. Um, I would estimate somewhere between one and 200 of those hours were this year. Um, because it's a really good game that I love. So, I mean, that was, that was a no brainer. I had a couple others that got within that time frame, but I mean, the one that I enjoyed the most was Battletech. So. Yeah, for me, I had to think about it for a bit because I'd stopped playing it, uh, uh, about a month and a half, two months ago now. And it was Forza Horizon 4, mostly because the main reason why I stopped playing it was that I kind of beat 
most of what the game had to offer outside of just the rotating challenges, which started to repeat themselves, and uh, the multiplayer on it sucks. The community is terrible. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just I held off on wanting to dive into it some more, so uh, I stepped away from it, but I still played a lot of it, and I definitely got my money's worth on game uh, on uh, Xbox Game Pass because of it. And there is a lot there. There is uh, an enjoyable, uh, well, I would say Simcade, because it's not quite full-on arcade, but definitely not a Sim. Yeah. The sim uh, with, is, is pretty good though. It's not as good as the straight up like Forza proper quote games, but it's yeah. still got really good sim sim stuff going on. Yeah, I played it more simcade with a uh, some of the options uh, ticked, and I actually had uh, quite a lot of fun with it. It's just yeah, you, know, you run out of stuff to do, and short of just buying the expansions, which or a Game Pass game felt a little silly for me to dump my money on that whenever I could do it elsewhere. I just held off. So, mm. but overall, I would say well worth your time with at least Game Pass. I agree. I agree indeed. Okay. Yeah, so I kept uh, my Discovery queue one uh, unmarked because it, yours was unmarked the last time I checked. So, uh, I think mine is kind of a no-brainer for our, my best Discovery queue game I found this year. Okay. Because it is quite simply breathtaking. Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, I see what you uh, did there, and I like it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not out yet, but it looks highly promising. It is a CD project. So they're one of the few developers that uh, semi-trust these days? Not enough to pre-order it by no stretch of the imagination. Of course not, because, yeah, that's a spanking. And not the, you know, sexy kind that's, you know, from Jared. Yeah, and, you know, uh, and, you know, being across his lap with the heart on, no. I am not gentle. So, uh, Cyberpunk 2077, first person, uh, well, Cyberpunk uh, game from the developers that made the Witcher series. I mean, is there really anything that you need to say more about it? Uh, it looks incredibly promising, and uh, every time they show it off, it looks just better and better. So, it, uh, it was kind of a, you know, there wasn't anything even close, <laughs> at least on mine. Nice. But it's also, I would say, probably one of the more hyped games for this year. It's still coming out this year, right? Uh, I don't or, know. Or, 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 last I, I heard, heard. I last I heard, I think it was coming out in 2020, but I mean, I haven't honestly heard too much about it because I, I yeah, tend to uh, not follow... Yeah, it looks like it's still set for April 2020. Okay. Yeah, I tend to try and avoid spoilers for games I'm interested in as much as possible, which typically means avoiding press material and, and things like that. So, um, kind of like I, I avoid trail, I actively avoid movie trailers because I don't want to a movie I'm interested in seeing being ruined by the trailer. Yeah, because the trailer is like 20 times better than the movie ever was. Look at or Star at Wars, least, right? Yeah, or at least tells you all of like the main points of the movie, which is many of them. Um, so mine... So, sorry, my yeah, brain so is, yours, uh, yours is a lot uh, more of an interesting one outside of just 
app, right? Yeah, I actually so, know that one. Yeah, so my best Discovery Q game that I think for the year was uh, Kind Words, which is a sort of less of a game, more of an experience type of thing where they, um, you're essentially connected to other players who have the game. You write messages. They can be words of encouragement. They can be sort of confession type things that sort of go and, and float out in the ether, so to speak. And they'll like float past the screens of other people. And you're getting, you're getting these little messages that float by and you can open them and read them and kind of communicate back and forth a little bit with one another. It's a very interesting, relaxing, chill experience. I, I don't own it. haven't played it. I've watched some stuff on it. I've watched some people play it. Um, the community still exists. I don't know how strong it is, but as much as like two or, th- or as, as recently as like two or three weeks ago on uh, podquisition, they were talking about this and how that people were. Yeah. I think this it. was in the uh, Jim Sterling's uh, some of his uh, recent stuff for best games of the year. I think so. Yeah, actually, I think you're right. It was. Um, so it, it's a very relaxing, soothing sort of experience type of game. I enjoy it quite a lot. I've seen uh, games do this or apps do this on mobile, but not a full on PC game. So uh, having it where it's uh branching into another market, uh, so to say, or another platform is an interesting way to uh, tackle this. And sometimes you just need someone to talk to, you know, and not everybody has that. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, the next category was a, is a new one for this year. Yeah, Very yeah while we're reconsidering the uh, reconsideration award. Indeed, the new category for this year is the Todd Howard Award for the Dumbest Game Bug. Um, anyone who has somehow managed to avoid this knowledge until now, good job. Awesome. You stay under that rock. <laughs> uh, Fallout 76, although it released in 2018, it had so many issues, bugs, problems, and just general horrible press about it that... Uh, we it has kept it in the news cycle for an entire year, and while yeah, but people, but remember, uh, Todd Howard says that it just works. Yeah, it just works. <laughs> so we we named this award the Todd Howard Award. Um, and mine was not actually Fallout seventy six. Literally, the last day of two thousand nineteen, also kind of slash the first day of twenty twenty, depending on what time zone you ran. WWE two K twenty stopped working in 2020 which i think is hilarious <laughs> its name is 2k20 which is 2020 and it stopped working in 2020 because get this because of y2k the y2k issue well so, a well from everything i've heard i've actually never heard an official answer of what broke it but some uh uh, things I've uh, read was that the way uh, uh, coding languages work, there's typically a shorthand for various variables. All right. Mm-hmm. And there's not just one calendar. All right. You may th- think of the calendar as the thing that's on the wall. Uh, you know, you ignore dates on it, that sort of thing. No, there's actually multiple calendars. Uh, 
there, there's a Tom Scott video that talks about the difficulty of writing time zones and uh, and also uh, uh, another aspect close to this. And this is where I've uh, learned a little bit of this. And because these variables are used in shorthand, it's usually uh, a percentage sign and then a letter. So, blanking on uh, the exact one, but like percentage sign lowercase d would be the date written one way. Lowercase, or sorry, uppercase d may be the full written out year or date with year. Some people are speculating that they used the wrong calendar. Whoever was writing the code for uh, the menu system or whatever, uh, just this poor underpaid uh, intern that uh, you know, is under all sorts of time crunch, searched for how to write date in some sort of DRM check and got the wrong one. And because of a, of a mismatch between the uh, the menu system and all the game files, it just would not work. It crashed the game. That's at least the speculation I've heard from some people. Other people are saying that it's just, yeah, they're a bunch of ch uh, chuckle fucks and that they couldn't uh, code their way out of a wet paper bag, which, based on the rest of the game, it's also a possibility. Right. But it was just, yeah, it was hilarious. The first... Oh, and also... Fallout 76 had this exact issue as well. <laughs> didn't know that. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever they the, it rolled over to the new year, they did not write out the full year. They instead, or even use uh, Linux time or whatever. They were going by date month instead of date month year. So all the bunkers that have a timer reset on them to you know, launch those glorious, glorious nukes that hackers have kind of ruined. Uh, they reset to like negative 200 some days <laughs> because it, they didn't include the year in the countdown timer. Because whatever it would reset, it would set uh, for the next whatever. But because of the rollover, it had essentially an underflow error and it rule and it uh, went back to the first unlock, which would have been like a day or two after the game launched. And I use game in very loose terms with Fallout 76 because it's more of a disappointment simulator and a bug simulator than anything. Right. But of course Fallout 76 had this error because they've had all the errors, right? It's it's create It's had so many errors, it's created new ones. Yeah, I mean, they've had issues with uh, people spawning in assets from Fallout 4. <laughs> Such as the damn airship from it. Yeah, the the Pridwin. I don't know the airship's name, so you're, and you broke up there, so whatever. The that one, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure, that one, I think. Uh, but yeah, I mean, people had uh, hacked in actual usable human NPCs before they even got to the expansion introducing human NPCs. I mean, it's just amazing. But the Todd Howard Award for Fallout 76 this year, because let's admit it, as long as they're going to try to keep kicking this dead horse, that it's going to continue to spit out a bunch of bugs because, yeah, it's rotten corpse, is the subscription 
So those who have not followed Jim Sterling <laughs> uh, will not know probably about the $100 a year subscription service that they had for essentially quality of life stuff that was highly requested, such as private servers, a bigger uh, uh, stash to be able to store stuff because it is a uh, sandbox survival game. Uh, custom armor, a bunch of cosmetics. Uh, you get all th those uh, lovely, lovely uh, premium currency. But the subscription actively hurt people that bought into it. <laughs> uh, the one that uh, stood out to me was the fact that the scrap box was eating everything that was put into it. I mean, only Bethesda, right? Right. The fact that people are paying... It was uh, 10 bucks a month or $100 for a year or something like that to buy into bigger stash to have everything just gone. Gone. It's just, right? Yep. Oh, and then there's a... the private servers weren't working right. And also, uh, private servers could be held open by just bringing in a, a free account. Oh, and the private servers weren't a complete lead new game either because people would go in and find everything looted so it was obvious that the private servers were just empty servers that got locked off but they didn't bother resetting them I mean it's just uh, Bethesda you incompetent nitwits incompetent incompetent bastards yeah we're gonna have to keep track for the uh, Todd Howard award for this year because oh boy right well, Fallout 76 is probably going to be in the running somehow. Yeah. With that big expansion or whatever. <laughs> I wonder if it's going to be a DLC now that I think about it. It probably is. Probably. Because, hell, I mean, they're selling everything else. I mean, they break their promise about, you know, uh, the microtransactions not affecting gameplay. Uh, you know, and people are still defending that piece of shit. Indeed. Which is a shame because West Virginia has some interesting folklore behind it. Uh, it has some uh, interesting legends. Nope, can't have any of that. Just shit themselves, and it's just directly down Todd Howard's leg. And with that image, I think it's time for a break. What about you? Indeed, time for us to take a very one of those short breaks. Put an editing note in. Hopefully, a lot shorter this time. Yeah, and we're back. Editing things. Yeah. We're doing a show. I don't know why I did that. Don't mind me. Mm -hmm. Did Did you want to read it? You started to read it, and then I went all weird. Well, well that's also known as just you being you. So, uh, for our first award of this block, the Niche Scratcher. That, you know, kind of odd game that just kind of got to you that really filled uh, that niche and for me it was our last game club game my time at porsche uh it's not quite the traditional harvest moon like even though that's not a proper genre term let's uh, go with it see if we can make it a thing where it could, it's focused on farming with a little bit of community uh, interaction as well this one is a more of a sort of a community simulator while you're building up your workshop and it feels like you're playing a more active role in everybody's lives 
than any of the other Harvest Moon games ever did, or uh, Stardew Valley or whatever. But that said, yeah, it really kind of uh, scratched that niche of having something a little bit different in this genre, while still yeah, really satisfying me there. So I really enjoyed it and wanted to give it a little bit of a shout-out. Nice. Um, for me, this is another category where I put one of those weird-ish games I talked about earlier um, with the Off the Wall Game Award, Killing Time at Light Speed. Uh, this was a more recent game that I played through, I believe in November. It might have been in October, but I believe November, um, where that you are making a journey uh, to another planet, and you're traveling it near the speed of light. And so for you, only a, a, a few hours passes, however many hours it takes you to play the game. But for everyone that you knew and loved who stayed back on Earth, something like 25 years passes, and you're sort of observing all of this through social media, like their equivalent of Facebook. It's a very interesting it's game. It's Facebook. Yeah, Facebook. It's a very interesting game. It's got some very uh, deep story elements to it. Um, which sounds weird because, you know, to hear it be like, oh, the whole game is played through basically Facebook um, or, or Spacebook. But there's a, a couple of narratives that develop throughout. And depending on how much you pay attention to the news, how you respond to people um, when they send you messages or have posts um, can determine several different ways that the game can go. It's got a decent amount of replayability. I mean, it only takes about it only took me about two hours to play through it. I think you could get through it a lot faster after the first time because the main sort of story beats always stay the same. And it's mostly about how you respond and react that can prompt different uh, different characters to appear or different things to sort of happen with your friends. Like you encourage them to do one thing instead of another. That can give you a different story outcome. But the big overall beats stay the same. But it was interesting. I, re- I really liked it. I've never played anything quite like it. Um, the next one for this block, the greatest disappointment of the year, and this can be anything related. And, uh, we both agreed on this one as well. Um, and it's, yeah, it's hard not to agree on this one because damn. Yeah. And to kind of encapsulate it in a single statement, it's kind of hard. The way that I wrote it in was blizzards handling of the protester. Um, and I think I had an incident on there at one point and I, like cut it the size. Yeah, of I, yeah I would say good. the entire StarCraft II uh, incident, uh, and then the kind of the fallout and kind of him hauling from the, that because it's just kind of been a thing going on uh, for the last several months, at least in the West, where different big entertainment co- uh, industry or uh, uh, entertainment blocks have been kind of kowtowing to China, but Blizzard was kind of the big one that really went off. So for those who don't know, uh, I'm blanking on uh, the uh, the StarCraft 2 player's name, but he, uh, uh, in a post-match interview in one of the inter- invitationals, he gave a shout-out to the Hong Kong protesters and called it the revolution of our age and put on a mask similar to how uh, the uh, democracy protesters in Hong Kong war. Uh, 
to much of the discomfort of the casters who put down their head, the Chinese casters, I might add, and Blizzard went apeshit. They banned him from a year, uh, from uh, competition for a year. They withheld his prize money. They fired the casters. And it kind of spiraled from there. Right? Yeah. And it's something that extended for quite some time. And at BlizzCon, they basically made a non-apology and sort of danced around what happened and we're like yeah they allowed uh they allowed people to you know uh uh, you know to do their little protest but mind you to get into blizzcon it's several hundred dollars right yeah yeah so yeah it's just it it felt really scummy and it actually put me off from wanting to watch blizzard stuff because i don't play it anymore because i don't have the money to keep up a car stone yeah i don't play world of warcraft uh i'd enjoyed watching starcraft 2 but i'm not good enough to really play it and they killed off heroes of the storm and i couldn't give one uh a tenth of a shit about overwatch because i played a lot better game until that got ran into, into the ground team fortress 2 so yeah it just basically killed off any interest i had in blizzard stuff uh, in general and i unsubscribed from a, a or i should say unfollowed uh, pretty much all the uh, Blizzard stuff I followed on Twitch because I just it disgusted me. Yeah, I uh, totally agree and understand. Um, so I guess since we agreed on that one, I'll go ahead and read and and start the next one. The maybe I'm old award, which is for things that. You know, games have changed and something has happened and we just don't understand it because, I mean, we're old men. You more so than me. And they should get off my fucking lawn. And mine too. So I thought about this for a little bit, trying to figure out like what sort of the best thing was. And there weren't as many things this year I didn't understand. And certainly not one as large and prolific as what last year was, which for both of us was basically just... Why are Battle Royale games so popular? For me this year, though, it was, why are idle games so prolific? I mean, I kind of understand why, but I also kind of don't. Because, like, having just one is fine. You call it a houseplant game. And I kind of like that. Because you just check in on on it every once in a while. Yeah, I've toyed around with a few uh, in the last few months. Uh, just uh, every so often it does something interesting. Yeah. But, the, but but then you hit to a point where it, you know, the ground is too much and you put it down and go to a different one. Yeah. They're everywhere on mobile. They're everywhere on PC, on Steam, all oh, over the they're place. They're even worse on mobile because remember, I like management games. I like strategy games. And that's like 90% of that genre. That's not you know, uh, uh, premium games. Yeah. There are a couple that I have played that do something interesting with the concept um, or make it a way to interact with a, a story in a way that you otherwise wouldn't. But for the most part, it's just the same shit, like tap a thing a bunch of times until you can get enough upgrades that by not tapping it or touching it, you get way, way, way more stuff. And to me, that just gets boring. Aside from the the one or two that I can think of kind of off the top of my head, 
that actually did something interesting with the concept, like the one with the potatoes. Uh, Space Plan. Space Plan. And the one that I played earlier this year, human-powered spaceship or human-powered starship, something like that. Yeah. But really, I mean, that whole thing could be beaten in like an hour. So I don't know how much of an idle game that was. It just utilized some idle mechanics. So I don't understand why idle games are so popular now. I think it's just the uh, kind of a derivative of a, a game that you could sit there and feel like you're accomplishing something while you're like watching TV or do, doing something else, which I definitely get. I, like I said, I've toured around with a couple of them, but I've fallen off of them within you know, a few days, maybe a week of just you know, every so often looking at it. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, the, probably the most interesting one, uh, it's also on Steam, was a uh, species uh, from Cell to Singularity uh, because it would give uh, random science stuff every so often. Uh, and they uh, had a dinosaur engine uh, that had some... It kind of changed up things for a bit, but it just... You know, like I said, the, eventually the ground just gets real and you know just too much. Yeah. That's I think it's also. I think it's. I'll explain it to you, in two words. Skinner box. Okay. Yeah, I know what that is. That's a psychology term. <laughs> uh, that's exactly what it is, huh? It's a Skinner box. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And people don't don't want to play the same one, so you know, they play different ones. Or because uh, it starts basing out the uh, the progression so far, people start playing a second one uh, while they wait for the other one to do something. And before you know it, you know, you're having three or four of them running, right? Yeah. And they all have a lot of ads, at least on mobile. So, yeah, I think I answered it. You did it. I'm still old, but you did it. Yeah, now get off my fucking lawn, damn kid. All right, so uh, what's yours? Yeah, so for me, uh, I mean, I'm kind of still tied into the one from last year, but it's more specifically, how the fuck did, uh, did Fortnite get so fucking big? Because, yeah, this year, we had Star Wars have an exclusive clip. It's not not a new trailer or anything. An exclusive story relevant clip that you could only see if you downloaded Fortnite and played it during this one specific time frame. I mean, how the fuck did that happen, right? Yeah. I have no idea. And supposedly it actually makes uh the movie make a little more sense. From everything I've heard, it's still a hot mess, but still. Well, I I mean, I haven't, I said this earlier, I think we were recording at the time, I haven't seen what the exclusive content is, I've heard what it is, it wouldn't really fix all that much. Yeah, but make it make a little bit more sense, right? Yeah, I guess. But let's be honest, it was there to generate hype uh, for both uh, Star Wars and Fortnite, but hell, this isn't the only thing. I mean, Fortnite had several events with Marvel stuff. Uh, they had it where uh, they had the black hole and people were live streaming a black hole eating up everything. As in, 
It's just sitting there, and every so often, a bit of the map would fall into it. And they were live streaming it. And there was live streams of the live streams reacting to the live stream. What the fuck, right? Yeah. Live streams all the way down. Shitty uh, Battle Royale games all the way down. And get off my lawn. Indeed. So, to our own uh, aggrandizing (laughs) award, the Video Game Logic Award. Yes, indeed. So, this is a recent entry for me, and I did play it in 2019, or start playing it, so it counts. Just Cause 3 for the Video Game Logic Award of Liberate the Fuck Out of Everything by Blowing It Up. I mean, it's the same as the uh, first two Just Causes, but it's kind of their... Kind of a more of a wink and a nod now. They're more acknowledging just how absurd everything is. Where, sure, we'll rebuild it, or I'll oh, just you know, uh, use your grappling hook on the ground whenever you're falling and pull uh, pull the ground up to you, so you avoid fall damage. Or the fact that uh, eventually later on they give you you go from uh, flying squirrel man, or, or sorry, you go from reverse Spider Man to flying squirrel man with a wingsuit to the Rocketeer by uh, means of having a rocket-powered flying uh, 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 wingsuit. Oh, and it has a fucking recharging missile launcher on it. Because of course it does, right? Yeah. I, I mean, it's just absurd. I mean, absurd in a good way. But definitely, you know, the Video Game Logic Award winner, huh? Because... Yeah, let's just blow up this uh, military base so they so they'll leave it. Then we'll just recapture it and just sit there with the ruins of everything, you know, smoldering. Liberate the fuck out of things, right? Absolutely, I enjoy liberating the fuck out of things. I actually I had a client today that we were talking about video games a little bit, and he had never played Just Cause. And I was like, well, let me explain to you the principle of this game. You liberate the fuck out of everything. And he just started laughing. He's like, what does that mean? I was like, you blow up everything. And everyone loves you for it because you freed them from the dictator. And he was like, well, but doesn't that mean? I was like, up, up, up. This is a video game. We don't, we don't ask questions. We just liberate the fuck out of things. He's like, well, but what about if you? And I was like, no, no, no questions. Just liberate the fuck. And he was like, so I liberate the fuck out of things. Yes. He's like, I'm going to have to go buy this game. <laughs> I would suggest the second one because uh, I think it's a little bit better gameplay-wise. And yeah, uh, yeah, the driving is just horrible, horrible, horrible. Right. And the, the way that they tied in the challenge, yeah, the way they tied in the challenges into the upgrade system means that you have to deal with it. I will talk about it a lot more next week on the show because I have been playing it as well. But the driving and just in general, the control of most things is so bad that I use a controller. Because there's so, between the massive amounts of aim assist and the precision aim mode, which basically makes you like move slowly, uh, you can do kill enough with the shooting that being able to actually drive and fly is worth playing it with a controller to me. So, I mean, you can take that as you will, dear listener, for how you feel about control mechanisms and your preferred input and whatnot, but... Well, let's just put it this way. Uh, The only way I passed some of the air races was I used a helicopter. Nice. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Makes sense. Which is a lot more friendly. 
makes though, sense. Yeah, yeah. Some of the some of the air races, yeah, you are not going to uh, even get one of the upgrade gears for it out of five. But, yeah. Yeah, the ones that you can uh, beat with a helicopter. Oh boy, right? Yeah. By the time I actually got to trying to fly an airplane, I was already using my controller, but I could imagine it would be really bad with keyboard. Yeah. Well, is the camera any better with a uh, controller? Because the camera is horrible on a vehicle with a, a massive keyboard. The camera is a little bit better because um, it doesn't I mean, snap I think it... back as fast as it does with the mouse. Well, you could disable that. Okay. But I'm talking about the, the fact that the camera leans with the oh, with the uh, motorcycle, uh, especially the motorcycle. Oh, yeah. No, it does do that. It makes me feel I don't. I specifically don't use motorcycles because of that weird camera action because it makes me feel a little nauseous. Well, that's good not, to know. It doesn't feel bad with the cars or anything. Does it lean in the other yeah. vehicles? It does a little bit with the airplanes, but yeah, a little bit, but uh, the, yeah, the motorcycles, they just, yep. Yeah, 45 degrees, right? Yeah. It's not good. Um, Okay. So my game for the Video Game Logic Award, I just mentioned human-powered spacecraft. Um, You know, I had a lot of things that I considered putting down for this, actually, but just sort of the absurd logic, literally video game logic of human-powered spacecraft and what you have to do and how you have to progress the game and how dumb some things are. And it's it's all very tongue-in-cheek. That's one of the things that I liked about human-powered spacecraft. It's very sort of self-aware but in a way that doesn't seem pretentious but actually seems funny um but yeah it's like well why would i do that well because like we need the thing to happen it's like oh okay sure i'll do that then it's like well why can't you do this well because i said so it's like okay computer overlord because you said so i will pedal a bike to make this spaceship fly and that's yep that's gonna do it so it's a good game. It's like, oh, it's like at one point, it's like, what do I need to do this 10 times? It's like, well, because that's what it takes to power this up. And he's like, okay, just a lot of because, you know, video games is is this. And I, I quite enjoyed that. So human powered spacecraft and humans, that's really cheap. I think it's like a dollar, even when it's not on sale. Um, granted, you can beat it in about 45 minutes. I don't. I don't really know if there's any replayability to human powered spacecraft. I don't think so, but who knows? Might be some things that I missed that I just didn't really care to go deep into. Next on the list, though, the biggest video game flop that isn't Evolve. We might need to adapt the title a little bit as the years go on to this. But essentially, the spirit of this award is: what's the biggest flop of the year? Um, and we had a few choices uh which yeah quite uh quite a few actually quite Uh, a few uh, yeah but jim sterling is the thing for yours let's be honest here yeah so there are some some honorable mentions that neither of us chose or really even talked about but for example like ghost recon breakpoint was a huge flop this year that basically died as soon as it released um there were several of the uh, you know games as service games that released this year that had you know similar problems that 
came out and needed massive patching and didn't have the support for them there. All things that we and many other people in the industry have called as being like an issue when you had too many of these things. But no game, in my view, uh, had quite that issue like Anthem. In general, you know, I've mentioned this before. I enjoyed Anthem when I played it. I still maintain that I had an enjoyable experience with it, but that's because I basically just ignored everything that was multiplayer related, played it like a single player game, enjoyed the sci-fi story, and then left it. But I mean, the Anthem community is is basically down to the die-hard people who really enjoyed it and who really have stuck with it. Um, they abandoned... Masochist. Yeah. Bioware <laughs> basically immediately abandoned their quote unquote roadmap. Um the pop the the player base has dwindled to almost nothing. They continue to have many issues with bugs and breakages and things like that, but there's just nobody playing it, so nobody cares. So Anthem huge flop series is is dead on arrival. So uh are you done? Yeah. Yeah, you started to break up there pretty badly, so it was hard to tell. Apologies. Go ahead to fix that. Maybe we could give Craig a Todd Howard award. <laughs> uh, but uh, for me, it's not a game. It's a service. Stadia. Oh, boy. Now, I, admit, I haven't heard much from Stadia in the last month or so after its release, but yeah. There were several rather scathing reviews. There was some people that saying that it worked better on mobile data than it did <laughs> on a hard landline. Uh, there was videos of a game. Uh, uh, well, for those who don't know, I guess I should uh, go into what Stadia is first. Stadia is Google's entry into cloud gaming. Because we didn't learn from OnLive, I guess, where you buy into various games on their own service and you play a cloud version of them. So you are playing or logging into a server that's playing a game and then getting a video feed from that server and then sending your commands to that server to be able to play the game. Now, you would think this would work pretty well on you know, slower-paced games, on turn-based games. Actually, I don't think they have a single one like that on the service, or at least the last I heard. It's all action-focused racing games, shooters, that sort of thing. You know, where reaction times kind of matter, right? Yep. So, the uh, free and massive sarcasm quotes, because in order to get it, you had to buy into a hundred-some-dollar Founders Pack, which the Founders didn't even get their codes uh, immediately, and people that were buying into it later uh, were getting codes before people that pre-ordered the, <laughs> the damn Founders Pack uh, uh, were getting them, uh, is a essentially a complete edition of Destiny 2. Yes, a free-to-play game, I might add, but you do get the DLCs as well. And there were videos of people playing Destiny 2, uh, watching uh, them hit uh, the space bar to jump. A couple seconds later, the character jumps on screen. 
just that abysmal of input lag, where it was literally unplayable. Uh, there were disconnect issues. There's just not many games on there. The games are uh, set at just full price uh, titles. A lot of the games were older titles that have seen severe discounts over the years. It's just, what the ever-living fuck? It's just, it's like Google made this and didn't pay attention to anything in the gaming sphere, which is very possible. Indeed. Alrighty. So, and I'll continue on. Least favorite game club game. Boy, this is going to be a tense you know, uh, teaser on, you know, what could I have possibly picked? Hmm, right? Mm-hmm. That's Vampire the Masquerade. Uh, rewind to about, oh, probably about an hour to hear my full thoughts on that. Basically, didn't scratch any itch for me and it actively pissed me off. Right. Uh, is Is that it? I mean, I already went on one tirade about Vampire the Masquerade. I don't like, I don't really care for horror. Uh, I had this weird skating issue where it felt like my character was constantly running around on ice. Uh, The story didn't really grab me. There was only like one character I actually really liked and only interacted with them very briefly. It's just, there was just nothing there for me. Fair enough. Fair enough. So I actually thought about mine for a little bit. I didn't have any game from Game Club that I specifically hated. I had a couple that I didn't like, a couple that I ragged on. Um, I think maybe with Bomber Crew, which was one that I was kind of down on earlier in the year. I think it. I think I want. I'm going to give that game another chance. I think that that might. I I don't know. I just feel like you know having maybe one of those that if you were in the mood for it. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm going to be Bomber Crew. It just was very slow. It was very methodical, but it also didn't really pace itself very well. Where whenever there was action, it felt too convoluted. Yeah, I think I think I'm going to go back and give it another chance this year. But you know, with that in mind, like I didn't I didn't pick it. I chose Celestial Command. Which made me really sad to think that it was, you know, my least favorite Game Club game of the year. But the most yeah, I thought this was going to be your jam. Yeah, the most interesting portion of the game, they've basically stopped developing and pulled out some of the one the of the mechanics. major features for it. Yeah, the orbital mechanic portion, which is more interesting, more difficult, a lot more varied and diverse. They removed um, where it had NPCs in it only space stations now and the warp gates and instead have focused all of the development time on their, um, they call it aerodynamic mode, which it operates. Not Basically like the back- the, the space is as, a, as an ocean. Yeah. Space is an ocean. And I mean, that's fine, but it, there's games that do that, that sort of thing better. And there's games that, you know, maybe not exactly the same kind of way, but do it very similarly better like space engineers that's just like the first one that popped into my mind i know space engineers is first person and all of that jazz but i mean it's a better version of what celestial command is trying to do with its aerodynamic mode um so i was really bummed out and didn't disappoint the game itself is not bad per se but it just you know it's disappointing 
Yeah, I didn't know that they had uh, essentially, well, not really scrapped, but they are putting less of an emphasis on the orbital mode uh, whenever I brought it up for game clubs, so that's my bad, I guess. Uh, it's just, orbital mode, it feels like the game is still balanced around it. That's the funny thing, because uh, the way that they did the atmospheric mode is that you need constant uh well, uh, constant engine power to be able to go anywhere. So, uh, the but the it's tough to get fuel early in the game. In orbital mode, you could kind of cheese a little bit by just being a little bit more patient and just working more off life support. Just uh, plan out your maneuvers a little bit more and be careful about it. And you could get pretty far with very minimal fuel and be able to mine and build up. But the thing is, they also are focusing on building up this space station, and it seems like the next big patch, they're going to be doing capital ships, so they're moving more and more on just building up this atmospheric mode, and it's just it's kind of disappointing, actually. Yeah. I agree I mean, with maybe you. I'll eventually uh, work on it, but uh, it just feels like they are neglecting what could have made this a very special game. A very tough game, I might add, but uh, maybe that's it, is that we both have you know, hundreds of hours in Kerbal Space Program. I think it's fair to say that we understand oral mechanics to some degree. We could uh, get into a somewhat realistic space game and be able to hold our own. Yeah. I think I, I 100% agree with that. So we are not the general gamer, especially when it comes to uh, uh, space games that are a little bit more sim-like. So, yeah. W we saw this uh, with orbital mechanics and having this challenge. And mind you, another problem with it is the fact that Things don't regenerate, so eventually you'll mine out the uh, world, and you know you're kind of screwed because the game doesn't really support you know uh, long plays uh, playthroughs. I didn't hit that issue, but I definitely saw it coming. Yeah, same. But yeah, it's just as players that understand a bit more of what's going on here, we're disappointed by it because you know it's not it's no longer catering to us when it, at one point it did instead they they have this big focus elsewhere which it looks like they released more info on the next update and it looks like it's uh they're working on a better ai for the enemy ships but it looks like it's still focused on uh, atmospheric mode yeah, not uh, not surprised there. Yeah, but that brings us to the close of block number three. Then we will carry on to the final and perhaps maybe the most important block, um, because it has huh. best game club, favorite game, and VGL podcast game of the year award to wrap up the three. But we will start with the Gilded Bird for the biggest dick move of the year. Yeah, yours, kind of in retrospect, uh, tempted to give it to Blizzard, uh, but I had one from last year that 
started to crop up and was pretty big for the beginning part of the year, but kind of, it's kind of dwindled, uh, thankfully. But it's Epic grabbing up exclusivity deals for games that are already on sale, either through Kickstarter or just pulling them from Steam Early Access. Uh, the big one that everybody was talking about was Shenmue 3 for a while until, you know, they realized that it's Shenmue 3. So, you know, unless you're really invested in the Shenmue franchise, eh, right? But there's been a few Kickstarters that's done this. Basically, Epic throwing around that fuck you money and uh, saying fuck you in particular to Valve. And kind of screwing over people in the process by people that just, you know, want all their games in one place or have it be a little bit more convenient without having to use a third-party launcher like GOG Galaxy or just that are like me and want to stay far, far away from the Epic Game Store. It's just a really, really dick move and kind of ties into your exclusivity for the Boulder Dash Award. It's just mine uh, pisses me off a lot more. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I thought long and hard about which one to put where and on it. I guess it doesn't matter quite as much, you know, the dick move and disappointment and all of that jazz. The one that I put was uh, the telltale sudden shutdown and the whole process involved with that, how basically they brought herded everyone into our room, told them the studio was closed, was closed. They had like something like 45 minutes to pack up their desks and leave. And that was it. And just it broke all sorts of laws in the process. Oh, yeah, it broke a ton of laws. It was a shitty thing to do. You know, I can can only imagine the amount of like panic attacks and shit pants that were had that day because it's like particularly I think this is a problem a lot more in the United States than in, you know, the developed world, like many places in Europe and Canada. It's like you have no if you have no support that you've built for yourself and something like your job, which is where your insurance comes from and your income and, and things like that. It's like whenever that gets yanked out from under you, you've got nothing. And that to, to basically just kick a bunch of people to the curb with nothing. I mean, that could be sentencing these people to homelessness or if they have medical conditions, they depend on their insurance, potentially even death or, you know, at least some severe complications. And, you know, to anyone who's listening in a place that's not America, who's not quite as familiar with the absolute garbage culture that we have. Like that sort of thing is, is no joke. I mean, I, well, exist. well it's also uh, ties also into how our healthcare system works, where essentially your healthcare coverage comes from your job. And if you lose your job, uh, you're kind of screwed. If you have a medical condition that requires expensive things like, eh, let's pick one almost at random diabetes. <laughs> regular insulin and testing and things. And that's honestly like the bottom of the totem pole in terms of chronic conditions you could have that would require ongoing treatment. Well, I was going to say, well, I was going to say uh, probably the one of the more uh, uh, prolific ones, one of the more widespread ones in America. Uh-huh. Fair enough, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I thought you were going to continue speaking. I think I misunderstood the inflection on one of those words there. Well, I was just uh, saying uh, one that affects a large population, which still requires expensive medication for a lifetime. Right, right. That that there's no cure, or at least not with current medical technology, not a cure for. Right. 
so yeah, I mean, you know, game developers do shitty things all the time. And while it was a disappointment for Blizzard, the way they handled their protesters, that's something that I kind of expect to basically just throw people under the bus. And I think that sort of jadedness makes something like that seem less like a dick move and just be more like, well, yeah, I mean, of course they were going to do that. You thought they wouldn't? And for me... uh, Well, I would also say that the Telltale uh, sudden shutdown also just because of how they were managing their their, uh, company in in general. Yeah. Uh, For those who don't know, essentially Telltale is living from paycheck to paycheck. And uh, they were stretching themselves too thin, going for too big uh, uh, contracts, too big uh, franchises, uh, paying absurd amounts of money for it while still not developing their own in-house software. Uh, So they were essentially trying to recapture the magic that happened with The Walking Dead, or at least the first season of it, uh, without wanting to put in the money to uh, develop their own in-house start. uh, hard, or software to make it easier or have uh, more varied gameplay so every game kind of played the same and it was just this uh, a different skin over the same bones uh, there were uh, a couple that kind of shook things up a little bit like Tales from the Borderlands which did really well some of the or, or the first season of Batman had some severe performance issues but it still was pretty good from everything I've heard uh, the Wolf Among Us, which we both loved, but those, but the Wolf Among Us and Tales from the Borderlands are also a lot earlier Telltale games. But the fact that they had to shut down because an employee broke a non-disclosure agreement with uh, Netflix because they were developing a Stranger Things uh, point-and-click or Telltale game, which caused Netflix to to bail on the contract and calls uh, Telltale to have to pay uh, a million or a couple million dollars in a fee because of it. That was the catalyst. They were running on that thinner margin. That is a dick move. Yeah. For sure. All right. Uh... Sorry to kind of steal your thunder there, but I wanted to elaborate a little bit more on that one because that's a bigger uh, dick move uh, than what you're leading on, I think. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, I, I felt like I was making it out to be a pretty big dick move. Um, but, but no, okay. th- this was a massive dick move. Huge dick, like horse sized dick. No, 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 elephant. Uh, you know, they, uh, they have independent control of it. Oh yeah. And the only reason why I know about elephant dicks was I was reading about dinosaurs fucking earlier today. <laughs> I love how uh, your explanation brings up even more questions. Why were you reading about I, dinosaur I, fucking? I was on uh, Reddit on uh, Ask Science, and somebody specifically asked, so uh, how did stegosaurus fuck, essentially? <laughs> uh, they said it a little bit more eloquently than that. But it, yeah, it was, how did stegosaurus mate? And it turns out that's a really big debate in paleontology. And they were saying, but stegosaurus seem to lack the muscles that elephants do to control their penises. And it's just, it was a really involved answer. 
And you're sitting over there smiling like an idiot, aren't you? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. And now you're trying to figure out how did they fuck, right? I'm going to look it up later. Look up the theories. There's about to be diagrams somewhere. Oh, oh, there were. Uh, there were on the, uh, on the one comment that people, that uh, someone answered. There, there were a couple of diagrams, actually, on potential ways. But I'll leave that to your imagination. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Uh, the next category, the I'll Be Back Award. I'll Be Back, which is a game you're planning to return to later for any reason. Um, I had a few that I considered picking, but ultimately I landed on Encased. I discussed this game, I guess, about three months ago on the show. It is a uh, sci-fi RPG, um, CRPG, so sort of isometric view, really detailed stats. Uh, M-O-U-S-E? Yes. Really, really detailed like stats and deep in the weeds, like RPG mechanics and, and such. Um, very good, very enjoyable. Uh, what it exists currently is the prologue at it did recently have an update. I'm not sure if they had any more content, but essentially I'm going to wait until the game is finished now. But the prologue took something like 12 hours to get through. And there's stuff that I know that I missed because of the essentially class that I was playing, but um, it's set in an alternate history sort of fallout esque in terms of like, um, you have very futuristic technology, but everything is very retro because the game is set in like the late sixties, early seventies. But because of, you know, alien interdimensional things uh you have access to all these advanced technologies and like psychic powers and things very very good um very interesting game very good writing very deep storytelling i hope it doesn't suffer from sort of a divinity syndrome because the first divinity original sin the first area or two were superb and then after that because of the nature of the kickstarter and early release and or not early release, early access and all that jazz with it. The the opening areas were really developed, and then the rest of the game was much less so developed, a little more janky, a little more rushed feeling. I hope it doesn't suffer from that. But otherwise, it's an excellent game that I look forward to coming back to and continuing the story. Yeah, do they have a planned release for the entire game? Because uh, they um, say approximately nine months, but yeah, that's yeah, kind of valve time whenever you talk about... Uh, uh, early access releases. You know, I don't know. I haven't seen a uh, planned release date. Good question, huh? It is a good question. I should look that up and just see what they have. Or see if they have one. But, uh, yeah. What about you? Uh, for me, it's actually uh, Stardew Valley. Just uh, towards the end of the year, they released a big patch. Uh, or a big update uh, slash expansion right at the time that we were starting my time at Porsche for Game Club. Mm-hmm. And playing two of those games at the same time? No, there's not enough hours in the day. <laughs> I mean, I still sunk like 25 hours total into my time in Porsche. So I wouldn't have been able to really do any uh, justice to Stardew Valley to begin with. Plus the whole... Yeah, you know, kind of had to focus on the game club. So, 
uh, it's something I want to come back to and probably start a new game with uh, some mods because I imagine what mods I have installed are probably broken right now. I haven't actually loaded up Stardew Valley in ages uh, because I didn't want to lose my game. But it, I was right at the end of the first year in that um, uh, it was that, you know, hesitation of wanting to start another year because there's so much to do, you know, in spring on the first day, especially after year one where, okay, I've gotten uh, uh, my feet wet. I have uh, enough money to really build out. I've built up uh, my farm enough where I have like sprinklers down and everything. And it's like two days of planting. And I just kind of stopped there and went off to play something else and stopped. So yeah, uh, but really looking forward to playing it again. So that'll probably be uh, whenever we have a slow game club. And it might be my Time Killer Award or uh, Time Waster Award next year. So moving on to the Uncanny Valley, the kind of odd feeling game that you played this year, right? Indeed. And for me, it's one that I only booted up very briefly it's called serial cleaner this is one i played a lot more the previous year but i've played it a little bit this year and so i feel like it still counts where you're going around cleaning up after a mass murderer <laughs> to try to hide evidence it, it just feels weird a story-driven stealth action game set in the 1970s it's just so Odd. You're a professional cleaner, and your job is to clean up murder scenes by disposing of bodies before the cops show up. Mm -hmm. And it just has that kind of ick feel to it, where yeah, it's kind of oof, right? Right. Uh, it's meant to be that way as well. That's the thing. I didn't play it for too long this year, but eh, I played a few hours of it to uh, originally try to do a. Uh, a, uh, a Sunday sampler on it back when I was still doing that and it's just, I'm not good enough at stealth games to begin with so it probably didn't help with that yeah I mean, it's a good game, it's just kind of some. I see I don't, uh, I haven't played Serial Cleaner might have to check it out there I don't um, think you actually own it or, or, no, I think you have it on Twitch, sorry Oh, okay. See, I have it on Steam and Twitch. I had it on Steam first. Uh, anyway, okay. on to you. I, I clicked and a trailer started playing and it was loud in my ears. All right. Um, yes, so the game that I chose for the Uncanny Valley Award was DEFCON. Uh, DEFCON is a uh, essentially World War III nuclear uh, war games war game. It's basically the end uh, sequence of the War Games movie. Right. From like uh, 1982. And I played a few games that I thought thought felt into the Uncanny Valley category. Some graphics related, some for the way that they told a story. But given the current real world events and a lot of fear and things that are going on, and honestly, fears that have been more than just this year, but, you know, have gone on for the past couple but, of years. But kind of uh, went to 11, uh, uh, turned the... Uh, uh, year 2020, right? Yeah. So with that fresh on my mind when I was making this list, I had to pick DiffCon just because it's literally 
all right, I'm going to nuke all the all the things. I'm going to nuke them all. I'm gonna kill all the people, get the highest score. And that's what I feel like sometimes, like what I am, just a, a people to be nuked for a high score. That's not a great feeling. And, uh, I mean, the game is fun. Yeah, I plus like the, the game. I still play it. Yeah, plus the game... Yeah, plus the game uh, scores everything in mega deaths. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, not the group, as in billions dead. And uh, just with the how they pl- have the music in the game and everything, it feels very grim. It's one of those games that makes me feel very uneasy because I realize just how easy it could be to just you know, wipe out humanity. Right. Right. So, moving on to one that I have hidden. It's on my list. I have it hidden. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best game club game of 2019. So, before I reveal the game to both the audience and to you, Rage, um, we had some, some mm, a couple of stinkers, a, f- a few games that yeah. were just meh, but we also had several excellent game club yes. games this year. Yeah, we did. I think it was overall a, a fairly good game club year. It's just there was a stretch where they just did not do all that well, either due to old design to not clicking with us to just you know, kind of being meh to not having their focus in the right place. But overall, I think there were some really good ones. Yeah. Looking at the list, I know that we differ on Vampire the Masquerade, but for me personally, I, I enjoyed Vampire the Masquerade. Company of Heroes was good. Stardew Valley was good. Fault Milestone 1 was good. Donut County was excellent. Prey was excellent. Yeah, even though that one didn't really hit with me. Right. Portia was excellent. Um, you know, so it, more than, in, in my estimation, more than 50% of the games this year were on Game Club. Yeah, there were some that were good, but not excellent. Like, Enter the Gungeon was pretty good, but I don't think it really hit with either of us. You got to say it's also a very difficult game and requires a lot more time than either of us really put in. Uh, Final Fantasy Tactics is a good game, but it requires uh, getting through a very, very long and slow prologue. Uh, Celestial Command can be a good game, but just the right, right, right. So then that comes. I mean, there's to only what a couple I... games on here I would really call bad games and. Vampire the Masquerade, even though it was my least favorite. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say it's a bad game. It's a not-for-me game. Right. A highly not-for-me game. Right. It's Skyrim levels of not-for-me. So, so for me, I went through and thought about what the best games were, um, you know, right up until... Vampire the Masquerade was, like, at the top of my short list, right up until... Prey. Um, Donut County was great. Uh, Donut County would probably have been number two after Vampire the Masquerade. But then there was Prey. I hate horror yeah, I games. Ca- yeah, I kind of I, I kind of figured it was going to be Prey for you. Yep. I traditionally hate horror games. I hate being scared. I hate being jump scared. I hate feeling creeped out. But I loved Prey. And Prey made me feel all of those things, which I think is a testament to how excellent of a game that Prey is. If you want to know my full feelings on Prey, you can go back and listen to the Game Club episode where we discussed Prey for October for our, our spooky yeah, game. I, yeah, I had technical issues, so 
Oh, I didn't get to play that one as much as I would have liked to, or maybe yeah. not liked to. Yeah, but I loved that game so much. I still think about it. I still think about how much I enjoy it and liked it. I went and perused the wiki for a while the other day, just thinking about it when I was starting to put together this list. Just so good. One of the best games that I played this past year. Definitely, in my estimation, the best game club game that I played this past year. Just hands down, it went to pray for me. Uh, well, for me, I'm kind of on the opposite end of the scale here for my best game club game. Where it's not a game about being scared. It's not about a game uh, hiding and uh, trying to shoot aliens or trying to do whatever. And it's not about the psychological uh, conundrums. It's about just getting down on the farm beating people and have a good time. So of course I have Stardew Valley. Uh, it was kind of a toss up for a couple for me as well, but I feel like Stardew Valley is the more tighter experience. Plus like I said, they, uh, uh, concerned ape, I should say has really poured his heart and soul into this game to the point that he's actually delayed another game to be able to continue working on or of Stardew Valley and fulfill his overall vision. I mean, it's just an, an amazing, amazing game overall. Uh, with so many quality of life issues in the latest patch, plus all sorts of bug fixes over the last couple months of the year, uh, that it's a travesty that he hasn't won the, uh, uh, oh shoot, now I'm blanking on the Steam Award. Uh, Labor of Love Award that, you know, it's still uh, given to that uh, cynical cash grab uh, GTA 5 because, yeah, of course, it's a popularity contest and not really a labor of love. That's just, yeah, what the kids like. Right. This and is the GTA true labor 5. of love. It's a absolutely cheerful, loving game. And I love it to pieces. Excellent. I love positivity. Makes me very happy. So, Rach, you get to, to do this category and lead this one. Okay, so, favorite game played in 2019. And I decided to deliberately do a different one than Stardew Valley since I've you know, talked about it at length already. Twice. And I got to thinking. It's the game I liked so much that I delayed playing it. What is the game that impressed me so much in its opening? And in its promise that I wanted to share it, that I wanted to hold it off till next year to be able to talk about it more in depth. Of course, it's Outer Worlds. <laughs> nice. Good pull, huh? <laughs> Good pull. So this is one of the games that's from uh, the uh, Game Pass. I played actually pretty close to release. And I think we both had reservations about it going into it that uh, this is an Obsidian game. It will have issues. And yes, it did. It definitely had some driver issues, particularly with AMD hardware. But overall, outside of some uh, reservations I have with a, a few a, a few uh, minor quibbles of it. 
it is a very strong spiritual successor to uh, Fallout New Vegas, which Jared talked about earlier. That it shows that we don't need Bethesda to make uh, uh, these type of games. We could do it with our own, with Blackjack and Alien Hookers. Yeah. And, I'll look, and a bit of a teaser, this is in the upcoming list for Game Club. Yes, it is. Going to be going through it, taking a much more thorough look than we did when we both played it and talked about it. Uh, Going to try. I think we should be able to beat the entire game during the... I hope so. I mean, uh, we deliberately set it up so that we have our best chances at it. Yeah. Um, So. All right. We have uh, a good chunk of the upcoming year coming up and are already planned out. And we have one hell of a year coming. We do indeed. So, for me, I started with this one. Um, it's hard to pick the rest. Of, oh, well, okay. I kind of set myself up with something this year based on what happened last year. Because I had the same couple of games on several times last year. In particular, Battletech. I think Battletech won three awards for me last year. I decided on purpose yeah. this year that I was going to try and pick as many different games as possible. And, you know, if something wound up on the list twice for one reason or another, that was fine. But I didn't want it to just be the same two or three games winning multiple times, you know. Um, I guess it wasn't that, that bad last year, but still I had several that were on there two or three times. So I started with my favorite game that I played in this year. And uh, this is a game that I played on Game Pass that I thoroughly enjoyed the shit out of. Um, I enjoyed it so much that I spent money on it anyways for DLC and for extra content. And what oh, I went think I into, know where this is going. And what went into it being a favorite game, my favorite game for the year, is a combination of the fact that I have enjoyed previous games in the franchise. It strikes the right chord on numerous things with both the mechanics, the sort of story, but the openness of it. And the fact that I had so much fun playing it with you and some other people in our community, but mostly you. It was our primary like hangout game and space for a while, and that is Forza Horizon 4. Um, I played Horizon 4 for probably 80 or 100 hours this year, um, so it you know could have gone on in, in a few other spots. But I just, you know, I had so much fun playing it. It was one of the primary games that I played for like four three to four months this year um playing it in the background while i was you know listening to podcasts or audiobooks played it with you while we were hanging out played with um ghosts and a couple other members from the community from time to time playing with my kid playing by myself it was just an excellent all-round experience it had its problems for sure particularly with some of the multiplayer aspects like when trying to do specific things like the ranked or the unranked um races and occasionally oh, no, be the like... ranked races that was the the bad one remember yeah but sometimes there were issues with the unranked to finding a game and like if if you got in you were good but if you got dropped at the beginning then you were kind of fucked and then with ranked like you were basically always fucked unless you got picked up right away but um anyways there were a few other weird issues that would happen from time to time with the multiplayer stuff. But in general, I thoroughly enjoyed nearly every minute that I played this game. So Forza Horizon 4, my favorite game that I played in 2019. 
Yeah, two very strong candidates for our Fat Hall Award, then. I agree. Um, and speaking of the final award, the VGL Podcast Game of the Year Award for 2019. This is the only one that we discuss sort of on the show and have to agree, I think, um, on what, what it is. And, you know, there might need to be some compromise or concession made. I don't know if there's an easy choice this year. Um, yeah, because, was... uh, uh, well, uh, neither of us have actually beaten the Outer Worlds, as far as I know. No, but I haven't beaten it. we both thoroughly enjoyed what we played of it. We are deliberately holding it off for 2020 for Game Club. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also both spent way, way too much time with uh, Forza Horizon 4. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, 2019 had some some shitty stuff happen in the gaming world, but it did deliver some very excellent games that we we both played, that we both enjoyed, you know, together in some cases if they were multiplayer. Um, and definitely this is a an award that's very like uh, subjective as opposed to objective. I don't know exactly which one to pick. Outer Worlds, Forza Horizon 4. Um, I mean, I played a lot more Forza Horizon 4, but also uh, hit the point where it kind of plateaued. And it honestly also pissed me off a lot. Especially, you know, having to play with other people for uh, some of the uh, unlocks. And the community can be very, very bad. I mean, to the point that, well, let's put it this way. Uh, online racing, um, the ranked and unranked modes, uh, it's, well, there's a, a PVE, essentially, where it's players versus uh, uh, the Dravatars. Uh, and it's based on the overall place of each member gets points. And the PvP version is just replace the Dravatar team with a second uh, team of players. Well, there were so many times that I just got rammed out of the way by people on my own team that I actively stopped doing multiplayer. And they never were able to fix that. And this was playing Forza Horizon what, a year after it released? Yeah. So I'm looking at our entire list, and the only game that is on both lists is Forza Horizon 4. But, you know, for Game of the Year, sort of, you know, other things that we played, I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, I can't just say, well, that's the one because we both have it because, you know, we each had different thoughts, processes going into some of these other categories. Yeah, for me, it went into more of just a time killer, loading up and driving around randomly for a bit. And so, really shirk off some of the uh, harder stuff because it had some bad design when it came to multiplayer. So even though it's the only game that was on both of our lists for something, you don't feel like it's game of the year material? Uh, not not really. Okay, that's fair. That is fair. Um, all right, so other right, games... Oh, sorry. Yeah, but is the prologue uh, or prologue opening of Outer Worlds worthwhile for Game of the Year? Or to set it up for possible Game of the Year to 
I mean, it was so good that we both uh, agreed to hold off on playing more of it, right? Yeah. To be able to have a more in-depth discussion of it. Yes, but the game, since we've only played the first bit... Yeah, I mean... I mean, there's either the game that we played way too much of or the game we haven't played enough of. Other things on the... I mean, is there anything else that you put on your list or that you saw on my list that you feel like could be game of the year material? Or, it could, I mean, is there anything you have in mind that we haven't talked about yet on the show? Uh, uh, let me look at the Game Club list again. I mean... We... I think that the game of the year needs to be something that at least one of us has played. Yeah, substantially. I mean, we but just looking at the game club list, uh, we have severe disagreements about Vampire the Masquerade. We both agreed to not like uh, Bomber Crew. I would say Fault Milestone One. We haven't really talked about, and we both absolutely love that. That's kind Indeed. of like the uh, yeah the 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 snub of the game club list right now, where it has this really unique story. Uh, it's a visual novel that has this interesting potential game mechanic called uh, the path down where essentially the novel, uh, I think it's like the avatar line uh, from the last airbender legend of Korra where the knowledge and experience of all the rulers of this one country passed down, essentially handed off as the previous one dies off on top of that, having a unique, uh, setting. Uh, it was a, sort of a steampunk fantasy, right? Yeah. You broke up there, so I heard. Uh, didn't uh, I? Heard. Eh, eh. Yeah, I said. Yeah, I said. Yeah. It is steampunk fantasy. Is a good way to describe it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a contender as well, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I was. I'm was looking at other games that I've played this year that. Um. You know, just to see if there's anything that maybe I somehow missed or forgot, but it does not. Look <laughs> We're like in quite it. the dilemma, huh? Yeah, I'm not. So I'm not a hundred percent opposed to Outer Worlds, and I get the impression that it's going to be a solid game through and through. But I am worried that it falls apart somewhere along the way, and I'd hate to yeah give that game of the year, and then it's like, oh, at the 40-hour mark in this game, you do this, or this thing happens, and it's fucked, and it, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's a little bit of a concern, but that's not like, that wouldn't stop it if we decided to go that far. Um, yeah, I mean, so- I, mean, uh, by, I mean, by a mission, I would say then uh, Forza has to have it. Why do you say that Forza has to have it? Uh, well, uh, even though I played way too much of it and it kind of got Borderland on me or Borderland Syndrome on me, that it is still a very solid game, except with the uh, caveat of uh, if you want to have a decent racing experience, never touch the uh, multiplayer. And I would uh, also add to that most of the uh, player made maps are also. Uh, either trash or just ways to do some of the challenges for each season a lot easier than the game probably intended. Mm-hmm. So there's still massive caveats on both. What about um, Stardew Valley and Portia? 
we both really enjoyed both of those games. Yeah. I think I preferred Porsche more, and I think you played preferred Stardew Valley more. Both of those, though, were excellent games, and neither of them I would have a problem with thinking of it as game of the yeah, year material. Just, yeah, it's just Stardew Valley is the one I got a lot further in game time was, or or I should say game scale was. I got to the second year uh, spring while Porsche it lends itself to a lot slower progression of the timeline where the same amount of time I got through just a quarter of the year but it's also more story focused and we didn't get far enough to really see how the story unfolds yeah while Stardew Valley really doesn't have a story it has sort of like many stories but it uh, has a a lot more of a completionist feel to it whenever you complete one person's little mentor story or having a little event where uh, the local hermit uh, you know, uh, talks about being lonesome and having to rummage through trash. And you feel more connected to that character. While uh, my time at Portia, I never really had that with uh, any of the uh, characters, even though they feel a lot more uh, as part of the game world just because of the gameplay mechanics of it uh, because of the time scale issue I just didn't hit it and I was still 25 hours in yeah uh, did you ever have that uh, moment uh, with the character I know you focused a lot more on social aspects mm, I definitely did not have a, have a moment that made me feel the same way I did about uh was was his name Linus, the homeless man? Yeah, Linus. I never had the the same moment that made me feel the way I did about Linus, but I did feel more connected to some of the characters. Um, I think there's a character that if I had continued playing it at the same pace and spent more time with her, I think that she had a story that made me think of Linus. Um, uh, which one? Had, uh, what was her name? She really only could be be found wandering around at like the festivals and stuff. I'm drawing a huge blank on her name. Uh, the redhead. Yeah, she's got some ginger. kind of ginger. She's got some kind of chronic condition, um, an illness that she deals with, and she's really yeah, sweet. I, I, and you can meet to, her. Uh, like, I kind of spoiled that one for myself to find out what was going on with her because I yeah. knew I wasn't going to get through it. Uh, yeah, do you want to know what happened? Uh, sure. Essentially, they never really say it outright, but they hint in the story that she has cancer. And uh, in the original version, or the original full release version, uh, she actually dies. Oh. But, yeah. Didn't know that. I really liked her. She was pulling on my heartstrings a little bit. Just because all she wanted to do was talk to you. You could, like, give her presents. And as I mean, I'm sure there were some, some things she didn't like, but like everything I gave her was just like a plus. Yeah, she one. essentially she's just like, stays at her home. Yeah, she's like, I don't, I don't need presents. I just want to talk to you. I'm like, oh, baby. Yeah, yeah, she's a sweetheart. Yeah, but uh, they later added on a quest, but that you have to constantly redo in order to essentially keep her alive. But it's still very tough to keep her alive for the long term because she's. Uh, yeah, she has a chronic condition. But you never got to that point in the story because it's still like, you know, 20 hours away. Yeah. While Stardew Valley, it kind of hooks into you earlier on. So 
I would say that would be a, a bigger potential. Uh, the micro stories com- uh, compared to the macro story. Yeah. So here's, we've talked about it. I've thought about it a little bit. Here's how I feel about what the sort of potential is for this. Based okay. on your feelings about Forza Horizon 4, I don't think mm-hmm. that that is a top contender. Um, maybe like a, a number three or a number four. Yeah, like I, I would easily put of... it in the top five. Uh, probably in the uh, upper three, yeah. Yeah. Um, and what's really battling it out in my mind for number one is Outer Worlds and Stardew Valley. Um, and and I think the only thing that's keeping me from saying like definitely Outer Worlds at number one is that just, you know, even though I've heard from, you know, all sorts of sources that the game is excellent throughout, I haven't actually played it myself. Yeah, and that's the thing is that uh, we don't know for ourselves and we could have a different interpretation of it. And yeah. the only reason why I put Outer Worlds there instead of Stardew was I didn't want to talk about Stardew again. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, the way that that breaks down in my head, I think Stardew would yeah, get I think it, my my vote. Yeah, I want to give it to Stardew. So then that that's that settles it. The VGL podcast yeah. Yeah. game of the out, year out of for nowhere. 2019. Huh. Stardew Valley. <laughs> And I, I mean, I'm very satisfied with that. I enjoyed Stardew Valley quite a lot. You know, just because something isn't like the number one in a category, like if it's a strong contender for multiple categories, which in my mind Stardew Valley was, when you look at an overall sort of estimate, all of those number twos and number threes can add up to more points than having just a single or maybe a couple of number one, you know, category showings. I think well, that's what Stardew Valley was. Well, it's it, not just that, but uh, uh, it's really an argument. Micro versus macro as well between it and uh, my time at Porsche because uh, if you don't get hooked by the mechanics of my time at Porsche, Stardew Valley is a lot uh, of a a lot better of a story. If you get hooked by the mechanics or go a little bit deeper into it, my time at Porsche has the potential to be a, a more interesting one overall, but it takes a lot longer to get there. And if you're not turning uh, on the time scale. You just don't have the time to really do anything uh, to be able to build up to the side of the main quests. Yeah. I mean, thankfully, so they include the option so, yeah. to change the time scale, yeah. which that doesn't yeah, exist thankfully. in Stardew. But, yeah, you but know. Stardew Valley also is a lot more relaxed in its default state. My type of Porsche always felt very rushed, very, uh, yeah. Uh, I uh, have to get this, 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 this done, and also have to hit the guild and find out what the uh, contracts are today. And it just feels a lot more hectic. While uh, Stardew Valley, you always had at least some time to be able to go do whatever, and it feels like it's a little bit better designed, uh, just because of that one fact. Yeah. Yep. I I agree, I think. So yeah. Stardew Valley, VGL podcast game of the year for 2019. Very satisfied with that. I can think of at least one other person I'm pretty sure is going to be satisfied with that. Oh, really? You can send your uh, the payment for your your bribe, Jim, to <laughs> <laughs> No. 
no, Jim did not influence us at all. Even though I'm sure he would, uh, uh, he would if he could. Yeah, just uh, just making a joke there. Well, this no, is no, been... it's uh, no, no, it's uh, more uh, Jim. You better send in that money, or we're going to send uh, a picture of Jared in the little red de- dress. It's very small. It's very tight. Very, very tight. Yeah, I didn't like, realize it, uh, it was a thong. It's not supposed to be. My ass is just that fat. <laughs> or it's hungry. I'm thick with like four C's. Like two sets of ass cheeks. <laughs> I'll I'll stop talking now. Most people don't want to imagine that. Maybe all people don't want to imagine that. Oh, I'm going to go to r slash uh, bleach now. Oh, go look, a cute kitten. Oh, okay. I feel a lot better. <laughs> That's good. I'm glad. But yes, that is going to wrap it up for this year or last year. The the 2019 VGL Awards. I'll, I'll go with that. Um, yeah, which means we get to reset everything and do it again next year. Indeed. If you have any questions, comments, smart remarks, or um, snide, sarcastic comments, you're more than welcome to keep those uh, to inviting yourself. Jim in. <laughs> <laughs> Rage, why don't you uh, hit him with them socials so that I can go to bed because it's nearly 1 a.m. Well, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me over on the YouTubes, uh, Game with Caffeine Rage, maybe someday. Or you can find me on Steam, Caffeine Rage. Or you can find me on Twitter, Gaming with CR. And you've been? Gaming Psychologist. You can find me on the YouTubes at Gaming Psychologist. You can follow me on Twitter at JMA4707. Or you can be friends with me on Steam, JArthur4707. And if you're wish to let them know the password for this week to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is it's not supposed to be a thong. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, just do that one in just randomly. <laughs> and I approve uh, that. So if you wish to contact us, you can do so. VGLpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game-related topics. Or just tweet them to us over on VGL Podcast on the Twitter. Our lovely, lovely patrons have made this possible, especially the little red dress. And you can find out more at patreon.com slash VGL Podcast. And our lovely, lovely patrons have also helped with our Podbean account. By helped, I mean paid it for it entirely. VGLpodcast.podbean.com, which hosts the RSS feed, the show notes, Links to all our stuff, or you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, or your podcatcher of choice. Our intro and outro music will be something we randomly grabbed from Kevin McLeod, and you can find his work over at Computech.com, because I don't recall exactly what PC Jared uses for the award show. And uh, say bye, Jared. <laughs> uh, bye-bye. And music uh, and voice. Yeah. We're out.